Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Welcome to Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the Chicago Cubs are in town. For the first time since 2019, the Cubs are in town. They'll send Kyle Hendricks to the mound against Carlos Martinez tonight at the ballpark. And you will see that one at 7.15 on Bally Sports. The Redbirds in first place, and uh, they will leave this weekend in first place as well. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Hello, guys. How we doing? Great. Are we fired up about... Fired up. Yeah, we are. Cards and Cubs, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a rivalry. There's nothing better. 30,000 people in the stands. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. A lot of people at Bush Stadium, Cubs back in town for the first time in a while. There's. We've been searching for this to be over in the sense of normalcy what's more normal in st louis than the cubs in town in a full in a almost full bush stadium i'm with you it's gonna be great i i you know what's gonna be interesting though is is looking down from my perspective of being in the booth looking down and seeing thirty thousand fans i'm more interested in that than the game i I really am i'm just how people are interacting the reaction of great plays uh, all of it that comes around with uh, having fans in the stands and at Enterprise, too. Question for you. When you're in the booth and the crowd is not as big as a full capacity, mm-hmm. do you have a different tone that you use, a different level? Like when there's a full <laughs> crowd and they're screaming and you have to call a home run, is it different? So, Michelle, the better <laughs> question is when I look down and I see your cutout, <laughs> yes. how do I do that? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. at least I got 15,000 in there. That, that helps. But when I... I still go back. It's hitting me more now than it did in the moment. Yeah. really did. Well, you're just trying to get through it at that point, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I guess just so. Just trying but to figure out a way, I should say. I, I'm looking at highlights of, of players, and they're still showing some that had no fans in the stands. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this was nuts. <laughs> in the moment, I was like, let's do it. And I, I it, hey, if they said we're doing this tomorrow, I'm all about it, okay? I don't want it, but... If that's how we got to present a game, we got to present a game. But I, I'm just telling you, it was eerie going down to the ballpark. It, it was just it, yeah, just, drive, just parking, right? No traffic, just no nobody oh, parking. I, I could leave five minutes from my house and be there in five minutes wow. to downtown St. Louis. Well, that's exaggerating, but you know but what I'm still, saying. There was no would, traffic. It was a straight shot. Straight shot. There was nobody on the road. You you would go into the ballpark and you might see you might see mm, I'm trying I'm, I'm walking I'm doing my walk through the ballpark mm-hmm. 
uh, two people you knew. Wow. So two. It'll, th- that's wow. what'll make it fun tonight. Cubs. That's, that's why yeah. I'm just so excited about tonight. Cubs trailing the Cards by three, and of course you'll see the game as we mentioned on Bally Sports. Meanwhile. How fun would this be? The The Dodgers are playing the Giants. The Giants are in first place in their division. So the Dodgers decide, you know what? We're going to move Trevor Bauer back, give him an extra day's rest so he can take on the first place Giants. And we're just going to throw a bullpen game tonight. And they start their bullpen game with David Price. Well, that, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I mean, this is no disrespect to Tyler Webb. But you go lefty, lefty. I mean, you got Price Webb. You know what I mean? You're right. It's unbelievable. It is. So they wound up using seven pitchers last night. Let me make sure they have that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And they got the lead in the second inning because they were able to pick a guy up off the scrap heap who happened to step to the plate and hit a home run for him. On a one, Pujols hits the ball the other way, deep to right field. Reddick's going back at the wall. Albert Pujols, his first Dodger home run. Scrap heap. Yeah, that's... Literally where they got him. Yeah. Yeah. 668 for his career now. And the 39th player to hit a home run for both the Dodgers and the Angels. That's it, huh? They're only 39. You think it would be more? I thought it might be less. I did too. Did you? I thought it might be more. I I had no idea that Eddie Murray had played a moment for the Angels. Frank Robinson was really good for both teams. Obviously, David Freeze, Howie Kendrick of, of more recent vintage. But yeah, 39 of them. I did a deep dive when he went to um, the Dodgers and started looking at when a player leaves their original team and then they go play for either the rival or a regional area that, you know, like the Dodgers and the Angels, whatever, Chicago, White Sox, Cubs. You'd be amazed at how many. I I, I would imagine that back in the day and still even today, you, you know, you you. You watch what's on your TV. So these guys are watching. The front offices are watching various players that are in their marketplace. And mm-hmm. they go, oh, let's go pick them up. Yeah, right. That you makes know? sense. Yeah. You know, we've seen him a lot. And, and if you look at how, like, teams trade, they trade within the division uh, or pick up a guy. I should say pick up a guy within the division that they've seen before. Or you see him a lot in the minor leagues. Or you see him a lot in spring training. Mm-hmm. Because you're just kind of used to it. Remember, George Steinbrenner was enamored of Strawberry and Gooden, and right. they both wound up with the Yankees. I, well, I would add them too, though. Yeah, they wound up being pretty they, good. Well, they weren't <laughs> very good, but well, th- they added to world championships. They just teams. needed a little spark. That's what they needed, Sparky. I wasn't thinking that, Randy. Now, here you go. And that's not a dad joke. That's a mean joke. (laughs) Your St. Louis Blues back on the ice tonight at Enterprise Center as they take on the Avalanche. Game three, and you will hear the action here on 101 ESPN. 730 pregame, 830 puck drop with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. The Avalanche lead the series two games to nil. So, Craig Berube, how are you feeling about coming back? Yeah, no, the vibe's good with our team. I think our team moves on from things pretty well. Uh, I think they they believe in each other, and I believe that we're a good team. I do. And so I think going home here, uh, there's going to be some excitement for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, if we could come out in the first period and give ourselves a good first period, uh, and it's not so much scoring or not scoring. It's just having a good first period and having confidence, and then you're going into the second period with momentum. And I think that's a crucial thing going into the third game. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. 
Hey, you do have the second period, though. If you have a good first period, don't forget you have the second period, too. And also the third. And the third. That's important <laughs> to the, note. Also the third. And while I agree with Chief sentiment, I would like them, if they're going to have a, a good first period, to score and likely score that first. Good. That would be great, too. I would. I, I just. I can't wait to see the fans. <clears throat> 40,000 are going to be at downtown. Yeah, it's going to be great. So. Yeah. There's a ton of people. I bet we get a lot of texts of people that have not been downtown yeah. for 14 months. Yeah. So you got 9,000 at Enterprise, right? Right. And yep. 30,000 at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if the the team, and I think it's only human nature that these guys feed off some type of atmosphere inside that arena. I would hope so, yeah. So that, I, I, that's all sunshine and lollipops. You, you played for me. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm yes, sunshine lollipops. I hope that they play the Kelly Chase intro video. Yeah, that'd be good. Or something similar, yeah. because that if that doesn't get you ready to play yeah. and ready to go out there, I don't know yeah. what does. Also, I imagine that after the Kadri hit, that the Blues are going to be motivated there to go. go out there and, and play a little. They're going to try to kill somebody. Yep. I was thinking yesterday, back in my day, <laughs> get off my lawn, you, Randy. You would have had. Kids today. Tony Twist literally mm-hmm. skating by the Avalanche bench, saying to Jared Bednar, "Hey, tell your guy to straighten up, or somebody's career is going to end tonight." And then, if he didn't straighten up, then Twister would have ended somebody's career tonight, or really hurt him. Yeah. And the code used to be: you come after our skill players, we come after yours. Mm-hmm. So the guy whose heads should be on a swivel, if it were back in my day, would be Nathan McKinnon. I agree. I, I would just rather. For clean hockey, I, when he's in the neutral zone, stand him up. Yeah. I, yep. And I'm not talking about taking him out or being, you know. I am. I'm, I'm not being uh, malicious with what I'm saying is that you, whatever you got to do to stand him up and get him away from the head of steam that he creates, you got to do it. You got to clear out the front of the net. Uh, that, to me, has been the biggest problem in this series. I may be wrong about it, but when I'm watching the games, I'm seeing so much traffic in front of Bennington. Yeah. Too much, out. way too much. Way too much. And the Blues are missing that player. Mikola isn't that player yet to clear the traffic. And they, who are gonna, or is Falk going to play tonight? Probably not. Probably not, no. Who else is not going to play tonight? Probably Bortuzzo. Yeah, Correct. Waiting, waiting on Bortuzzo. That's so what I was going to say. Tyler, they called him up yesterday. Tyler something. Right. Somebody that we don't know very well. But Santini will be in. So you'll have Santini, Krug, Pareko. Uh, you'll get Yelp Blues those would be your top three. But to the greater point, get rid of the traffic. Yeah. Somehow, some way. And if you can catch McKinnon, which I understand is very hard to do, got to stand him up. Hey, remember, I, don't, I don't care how you do it. You got to stand him up. Do you remember Scott Stevens and Eric Lindros? Oh, it was the, the, he did it twice. It was old-time hockey. Twice in need. the neutral zone. Keep your head up. Yep. So Knocked him out Twice. That's that's what Nathan McKinnon in the should playoffs. be having to look for And then for he did tonight. it again in the uh, regular season. Yeah. Ended his career. Pretty much. I mean, those were massive concussions that he. Yeah. it was hard to come back from. So I'm not calling for somebody to end a career. I'm just calling for somebody to take a pretty good headshot so that the guy is laying prone on the ice and we don't see him again this series. Uh, the 314 agrees with you. Let Dan know this is hockey. Sometimes you got to kill a man. Well, I, I'm not... I don't want to see death, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just make that statement, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't want to see death. However, I do want to see physical play. Stand them up, stand others up, and be physical. That's what I'm asking. Brick killed a guy. 
I might want to lay low for a while. Wow. <laughs> and how are you doing this morning, Randy? I'm doing, you always ask everybody how they're doing. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's supposed to be beautiful, I think, isn't it? It's going to be in the high 80s, yeah. High 80s, yeah. yeah so that's good. Yeah, so how are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing wonderful. Great. If you're going to Bush Stadium, be sure to hydrate. It's going to be warm out there. Emily? We're not, we're not used to that. Doing okay? All right, thumbs up. Emily's headed out on vacation. She's doing great. Yeah. Are you leaving today? When are you leaving? Tomorrow morning. Okay. Florida bound. I'm already on vacation. I don't want to hear that. Up here. I want to make sure that you're dedicated to the next three hours. That's right. It's already set. We're good. No, it's no, never set. No, still running the board. Yeah, you, you got to. Updates, got to mm, get guests on the line. That's famous last words. Just saying. Okay, early take it or leave it. There's a moment during the show where Emily is like, you know what? I'm on vacation. <laughs> oh, take it. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. We'll yeah. see. We respect it. You going to sleep in? Um, are you, are on you, vacation? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I think my body's going to trick me. Well, that's what I gonna, wonder. Yeah. We're going to wake what up at get up 5 a.m. every morning. We'll okay, see. Okay, 5. Yep. And then I'm going to listen to Character and Smallman with Danny yes. Mack. That's right. I'm only on Thursdays and Fridays. So well, I'm Kara gonna listen. Well, yeah, and then I'm, when you're on too, I'm gonna listen well, to Kara Smallman that. with Danny Mac. Should Thank be you. listening on the 101 ESPN app. Mm-hmm. Of course, sounds good. Yeah. All right, we're if off. I and hijacked running. this. No, no, this is good. Okay, oh, you I know just, what we should mention? Probably the headlines of sports that happened last night. Yeah, and the one thing that we have yet to mention is that in the contest between Michelle and I oh. for the PGA Championship, after day one, and there's a long ways to go. You guys seen how hard that is? Yeah, it's pretty hard. Holy cow, my I was group, watching yesterday. Yeah, my group of good golfers is plus three. Michelle's group of good golfers is plus five. And uh, Corey Connors leads the way. He's got a two-shot lead after round one of the PGA Championship. That at was Kiwa my Island. pick. Corey Connors? Corey yeah. Connors. Canadian, eh? Yeah. So. Who's Corey Connors? He's the guy that Canadian led, it, led after one run, but has no chance of leading after <laughs> two or three or four. Uh, Sam Horsfield is no, I did like in him. second place. Oh, yeah. Cameron Davis. Uh, no, not Cameron Smith. Randy and Cameron Smith, not Cameron Davis. He is also among those tied for second with Keegan Bradley, Pat Bradley's nephew. Is it really? Yeah. And uh, Victor Hovland. You I liked him, me? too. I, I was having the debate the other day. Should I go Cam Smith or Hovland? Cam Smith or Hovland? I went with Cam Smith. Idiot. And then uh, Michelle's Brooks Kepka is minus three, along with Aaron Wise. And Phil is at minus two now through one hole today. Awesome. Uh, I'm pulling for Phil. Make me the too. cut. Make it interesting. I would love to see one of the elder. I say elder. He's 50 years old. But one of those guys make a run. Remember when Tom Kite did that? Yeah, and it was then- great. Watson did that a few years ago. Yeah, the British? I, yeah, I, Freddie Couples. Yeah, I just I love it. Yeah, and they they have it in them. Hey, they can do me. it. I'm rooting for the old guys. I'm rooting for the old guys. Absolutely. Well, you're not old, Randy. I am. I'm older than that than, than they are. So I am. And you have a tat. I do. <laughs> what if they do? And you go clubbing. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got your peak, we've got your pit. We want to hear yours. Send it into the Air Comfort Service sex line, 65780. Peak and pit of the week next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's 
do some peaks and pits here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, you guys want to start or do you want me to start? Why don't you start, Randy? Oh, that's so sweet of you. Yeah. yeah. You are so kind. I just figured he's offering it up, so you take so, it. You take the reins first. Do you normally right. take it, though? Uh, well, normally he'll present it to us. Okay. He's driving right. the show, so we kind of uh, take He's it. edgy with me today, though, <sighs> so I'm just, I'm trying to just yeah. steer clear. It's a my, Friday. We're loose. Yeah. Okay. My, my pit of the week is... What do you have, Randy? Blues in general. Yeah. Oh, come on, Randy. Yeah, those Look two at games. Him. You know what? That's bad. That's bad ball on you, and you better back me up on this. Okay. You, you tell me. Well, I'm so waiting to hear t- what you. I'm waiting to hear. No, see, I'm your, backing you up. I got your back, Dan. Thank you, Dan. You're, you're we got nine thousand people down there tonight. Yeah, but but you're all but over. Yeah, you're all over right. that six three loss the other night. That was a real peak peak for you. <laughs> It, or what? Or was it I game made one? My... Was it was it the four one loss in game one that was the peak? Are you having trouble choosing, Randy? <laughs> I haven't done my peak or pit. Is it the fact that we've been outscored? We the Blues have been outscored ten to four in two games, of and, and we have to win four in the playoffs. It's the first week of the season. <laughs> yeah, what Dan Where's said. the Tony La Russa cut? Okay. I think Randy somewhere. has it somewhere. Yeah, yeah we got it somewhere. All right. Well, I can't believe you didn't play that because you like to play, every, you know, everything else. I've got my game here. Yeah. All right. All right, Randy. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's, that's, your... my, that's my pit. It's a good pit. I think that might Get be all over of it. our pit. Okay. Uh, here's my peak, Dan. The fact that I can wake up in May and turn mm. on my phone and say, hmm, I'll check the National League standings and see my Cardinals three and a half games up in the division. Three right now. Love you know it. what? That's adorable. I love Thank it. Thank you. Very good. Randy. That is absolutely that, great. You, you made up for it. Thank you. Appreciate no problem. Okay, so my pit. Now it's time for your. Thank you, Dan. Peak and pit. It's also blues related, but since Randy took more of an all-encompassing view on the fact that they're down two games and the playoffs, and yeah. they've been outscored and everything that he said, I'm going to piggyback off that. I hate that our guy David Perron is not out there. I agree. I really do. I think that that's impacted this team in more ways than we know, and he joined us weekly. He's our guy. We, of course, want to see him out there um, participating in the playoffs, but he's he was their leading points guy. He's a, he's a big deal. What happened when somebody decided he shouldn't join us weekly anymore? Randy, don't you put that evil on him. <laughs> it's not him. What is it wrong with you? Choice. It's not it wasn't him. his choice. Remember Someone he needs said. to call you out and Michelle is too nice not to call you out. What is wrong with you? Huh? I'm just stating a You're fact too nice. here. I just said don't put that evil on him. This is cause and effect. This is my logic class at Lindenwood. I listen to you guys all the time. You need you, to be meaner. Uh, okay? Is that a word, meaner? If, is it, if therefore, so. then, <laughs> right? Is, that is one of the tenets. It's one of the one of the fulcrums of a logic class. If Fulcrum. you remember that from college. Dan, I know you took it at Lindenwood, so you should know. That Michelle, I know I that Illinois know. is a very logical place. Yeah, yeah. If, therefore, then. Okay? Totally. If you Fulcrums. take a guy off of Carriker and Smallman, then he will not do as well, and therefore, you should put him back on. That's all I'm saying. So thankfully, Adam Wainwright is with us weekly, is thankfully, what we're saying. Yeah. Cardinals aren't going to mess around with that. No, definitely not. Well, let's let's lighten it up. My peak, I would like to have it lightened up a little bit you. here. You know it's, how my peak is, Dan, and I know you're going to agree with rough me Rough around the edges here. Yeah. It's, it's Nolan Arenado. Anytime oh, that awesome. I, I turn on he's my awesome. TV to watch the Cardinals play, I know I'm going to see something awesome from him. I agree. He is so fun to watch. And heading into the season before that move was made, a lot of fans had a weird vibe around this team where they didn't think they were necessarily as exciting as they used to be. He has brought in that back tenfold. Totally agree. Do you guys, I, I'd be curious about the listeners and, and from your perspectives as well. He's become must-see TV. Must-see TV every night. I mean, if 
if you know he's coming up, you'll kind of hang around. Like you, you may be flipping around your channels. Randy, pay attention. I'm Get listening. off the computer. <laughs> if if you're flipping around, see TV. Wait, don't you think he is? Yes. I, I stick around. It, it, it's kind of Dan. I think like the the McGuire thing. Except That's what I'm saying. The team is better, right? It's a good team around him. And yeah. you want to see him defensively. I that's right. where I'm at. See, <laughs> yeah. I was a defensive guy. I grew up watching a defensive Ozzie. third baseman, by the way. Right? At yes. Linda Woodham, all, oh, I was all terrible. conference. No, God no. That's terrible. You know Michelle was an all state soccer player. No, I know. We played in state. We played in we made it to state. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. She was in state. Could have played in that. I got Hope Michelle Soli. Smallman I L L. I and I. Yeah. That's what I got. Dan, peek and pit. Oh, you're, you're forced. You no, know what? I, I was just, having a conversation here with Randy. I just Randy. want to hear what you have to say. That was your problem now. <laughs> um, okay, so my pit was uh, 26 walks oh, in the man. San Diego series. Because really, it's a, it's a week ago. So I guess that falls within the seven days. It does. It right? does. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a pit. Did I say peak? No, I'm just saying. Oh, I yeah, agree with you. That okay. was a yeah. pit. Yeah, that was. That was the pits. You know what? That that was 26 walks in a three-game series. That was the most the Cardinals had had in a three-game series since 1900. <gasps> That's incredible. Wow. That's how bad it was. What a stat. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I'm going to stay on that game. So we're not traveling with the team. And normally, if you have a game that takes four hours in nine innings, um, you know, I'm, I'm at the site, so I'm adjusting to West Coast time. However, I wasn't there, oh, no. so it was around 1.30 or 1.45 in the morning, whatever it was, and we finished up, and my peak was hanging out with Brad Thompson at 1.45 yeah. on a Saturday morning. You were not getting texts from me, I'll tell you <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I wasn't getting texts from anybody. They are like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm done with this. Wow. So that was it was a peak and a pit on the same game. Let's get a couple from Emily. What do you got? From the 314 peak, my parents are at the PGA Championship, and Phil Mickelson gave my mom a thumbs up. Wow. Nice. nice. Good. Here's the deal, though. How Dad felt about that. Uh, Bingo. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking the same thing, Randy. We get defensive, don't we? Yeah. Piss me off. You're going to give a thumbs up to my wife? He's 50. You know, let me take that driver and... (laughs) He's 50. 50 years old. Your mom's probably 48. I'm just saying. Phil. You have no idea. It could have been. It, it could have been a, let's say, a young seventy-five-year-old, eighty-year-old, and he's That's giving right. a thumbs up. Hey, what's wrong with you? I'm just assuming. You are so negative all the time. No, and I'm this sick is of positive. It. I'm absolutely sick of it. You know, you know what could determine the peaker pit of this though is how the wife responded back. How yeah. how aggressive was her return yeah. thumbs up? Bingo. Little, little, That's I, a good call, I, Michelle. Because you know I mean? if he walks You're by thinking and now, he gives the thumbs up, and, and she's then all just she's like, like, oh, cool, whatever. If she's like, yeah, Phil, double thumbs up. <laughs> well, at least it's not Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. And the pit from this person, from the 314, school still isn't out yet. Oh, oh yeah. Senioritis, big time. Isn't My kids are done. be over by now? It's I mean, May like, 21st, for God's d- They're in school, but they are mentally done. They're like, we're out. Do they have a, a week or two? Is that what I it is? I think next week is it. They oh, got yeah. uh, three of the, well, I guess they all have exams. Some oh, are harder than others because they're the way that they are, um, you know, Dan, did you study well, for I exams? Started, I, I know Michelle no, studied I didn't. for exams because she was straight A's. But loved studying for exams. Are you serious? Big flashcard girl, oh, okay, loved highlighters. On. Oh yeah. So I was telling somebody. You're, the first, <laughs> loved you're it. right. So 
Loser. Big time loser. Yeah. Big time. Oh, good job, Which is Emily. part of the reason why I like this job is because I can take notes. What, 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 you know, what, it's like the What take degree notes, did you get? Uh, broadcast journalism. Okay, well, that's not really studying. No, it's definitely okay, not. Okay, because idiots like us can do this, you know. Big time. You know, you don't need a degree no. to do this. You just have to talk. What was your GPA? Uh, I think it was like a 3.8. <sighs> could have doubled mine. What and I would have door. And that was out of four. Uh, so so I was speaking to uh, <laughs> good for you, a group of students a couple of weeks ago and pointed out to them, because somebody was talking about spending time in the library, and I pointed out to them that when I went to Lindenwood, I graduated in 1984 and did a lot of games, but then they brought me back for their alumni board, and we had an alumni board meeting at the Lindenwood Library, which was the first time I was ever in the Lindenwood <laughs> Library. Stop. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. I used to go to the library all the time. To sleep? Yes. <laughs> Honestly. It was quiet there. My roommate was doing his thing, and I would go to the library to sleep. Scrunchy on the door handle, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So at Illinois, there was several libraries. The main one was called, it was the Underground Library. It was in the center of campus. And so many people would go there to just hang out. It was a CNBC sure. thing that they called it Club UGL. <laughs> and I couldn't be bothered with that. Couldn't get my studying done. So I went to the engineering Your library. parents must be thrilled that you got a 3.8 and they helped you. I'm assuming they, they helped you through college or, Oh, you know, well, that's part whatever. of the reason that I had to study is because yeah. if I didn't get good that's grades, awesome. guess what? I wasn't going anywhere. Because now, I'm going down that road, and I'm not going to wrap it up yet, Randy. And I know you're telling Emily we got to wrap it up, but I'm going down that road right now, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'm paying for this stuff. Get your behind in there and do a little studying. That's Just right. show me some effort, for God's sakes. It's Give me something. It's got to be harder now, though, with social media and technology. I mean, I my parents could just take away TV. That was right. that was it. They could control anything a, that I did. You know what? You take a kid's phone away, it's like <laughs> you've taken away their best friend left arm mm-hmm. because that's their yeah exactly i mean that all their friends are on that i want my kids out of school i wish they were out right now i love having my kids home i love it and we got covid19 and they they need to get away the teachers need to get away let's yeah. just done done with the year it's gonna be a wild summer at your house dan it's gonna be feeling. awesome it's gonna have be a great. lot of parties and <laughs> go crazy now i'll have no friends i don't even know if i have friends that i could invite but my kids do we'll be there yeah oh, can invite us, us anytime in. dan I'm not inviting Randy. I'll bring a dip. Thank you. That's yeah, why you, that's yeah. another reason. Emily, you're invited. I'm oh, not thanks. inviting Randy. I would have brought a carrot cake. But oh, Dan, I'm maybe reconsider just for all of our sake. We love the cake. Randy, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, I don't want to talk to you. Bribery. <laughs> thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up, we're going to talk some PGA with our buddy Jay Delsing. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The PGA Championship underway at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, South Carolina. And our friend Jay Delsing joins us now, as he does every Friday morning, to talk some golf here on 101 ESPN with Michelle and Dan. Jay, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Everything's good. How do you like that course? Is that a uh, is that a fun course to play? It looks very dif- difficult. Oh, Randy, it's a beast. It is a it is a beast. The, the best thing about that course is the back tees are so far back. I've taken groups down there, you know, pr- obviously prior to COVID when I used to have a business like that, and they look back there and like, what's back there? I'm like, some 
some more teams are like, oh, God, let's not do that. Let's go up here and play where it's a little shorter. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing. It, we, you think about the 600-yard par fives, the 500-yard par fours, and they're really not an issue for the pro golfers. But you're right, man. You get to a 660-yard par five and you put a normal golfer on that, there's no chance. No, and Randy, the big thing about the Ocean Corsair is the wind. We we played down there three days in a row with heavy wind, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30. Oh, my gosh, the poor Ams that I was with, just it just ate them alive. I mean, it was just uh, they're like, do we have to keep playing? I'm like, no, not if you don't want to. <laughs> well, Jay, when the wind's going like that, what adjustments do you make to your game? Well, you know, so, Michelle, the, the, there's a couple things that, that Ray scores on the PGA Tour. Rough, which you don't see hardly at all anymore. Uh, hard putting surfaces, hard greens, and then wind. And one of the problems with the, makes the U.S. courses so difficult as compared to Europe is that when the wind blows hard in Europe, you can play the ball along the ground, and it'll bounce, and you can roll it up to the front of the greens. Watch and look at what the ocean course demands. All the second shots and third shots into the par fives are all forced carries, meaning you have to hit the ball high enough to get it onto the front edge of the green because there's a big false front or a big mound in front of it. But then the ball's coming in so low, it won't stay on the green. And that that's what makes uh, – when we get wind and play in most U.S. courses, it makes it so difficult to try to keep the ball in the green. So trying to flight the ball, Michelle, low through the wind so the wind doesn't – mess with it too much is the challenge and then trying to keep it on the greens. Randy has that in his bag, Jay. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> ah, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Uh, I was watching yesterday. I watched for probably three hours, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was the most I think I've ever seen of guys being in the hazard. I, I've mm-hmm. never seen how many guys were, were just, you know, Taking the, the the driver out, doing the two links, okay, place, you know, they're, they're dropping it from their knee. I, I had never seen more in a major tournament than what I saw in three hours yesterday. It was unbelievable. I know, Danny. And Am I right so about that, dumb? or is that just always? Oh, you know, no, you're okay. spot on. You're spot on. And how dumb is it that we have to drop from our knee? I mean, golf's already questionable about, you know, are, are they athletes? What are we? And then we drop from our knee. It's the, it's the worst look. It's like, oh, we'll just drop this ball, you know, one foot from the ground. What What does that do? I kind of like I it, though. I, I'd rather do – let me ask you this, though. I'd rather do that than drop it from my shoulder length, right? I mean, if I can, you know, at least get a little soft landing mm-hmm. area, I'd rather yeah, drop it. Yeah, well, it, dip, it definitely feels like you got a better chance of getting a good life with yeah. a soft drop. Yeah, definitely. But I, I just – I couldn't believe how many guys – were in the hazard, and I, I've never seen in a major, in a three-hour period where I watched, it was yesterday afternoon watching live, I've never seen that many guys hit it left, right, win, take it, whatever. I mean, it was yep. unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And that course, that, Danny, that course is so penal, oh, too. If you're a tough. little bit off, oh, man, and then it, you get on the wrong side of the green there, if you hit it over the green, or like at seven, uh, seven the par three, is at 16 or 17, you hit it over that thing, you you could be chipping for days. You know, you got to go up the hill and down the hill. Oh, man, it's tough. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. And Jay, Phil Mickelson has moved into second place. He's only one shot off the lead at the moment. At the age of 50, at that course with the wind like you talked about, is Phil capable of keeping it up for four days? <laughs> That's the greatest question. I don't know. I mean, Phil's a Hall of Fame guy. He's won 
you know, 40 some odd tournaments and, and um, what five majors, I think. Uh, so the answer, you know, he's one of those guys you don't want to, you can never count out, but we used to watch and go like, what's Phil going to do next? You know, cause you just never knew what he would do. He's got the sort of short game that he can pull off the most incredible shots. Then he can also just flub something that's really pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, 50, really tough, Randy, to, to, to me to, to see him be able to sustain it for four days. But I think it would be a great story. And, Jay, we didn't forget that you called Colin Morikawa last season or last year. We remember this. So we want to know you who got you got my one in a row, Michelle. <laughs> I right. so appreciate you bringing we, that up. We yeah. didn't forget. So we need you to tell us who you liked heading into this tournament. So I had a friend call me yesterday, and I picked Victor Hovland. Uh, Victor is a young guy. He's already won on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's made a boatload of money, a lot of high finishes. And I just, uh, being uh, from Europe, I think he'll he'll handle the windy conditions if they come up. But please don't put any money on any of my picks, man. I have, I'm like one for 400 on this. And it's, picking golf is tough. It is. Jay, you know what? Michelle and I each drafted five players, and it's total under par for the, our contest, and the loser has to spin the wheel of shame. And I was debating between Cameron Smith and Hovland, and I took Cameron Smith. And there's Hovland sitting there at minus three after one day. <laughs> Cameron Smith's a stud, though, Randy. This young guy is from Australia, and he, he can really go. I, let me ask you guys a question. Would you guys prefer to watch golf and see the 25 under pars, or would you prefer to watch them play a course like the Ocean Course and, you know, maybe somewhere in the single digits to maybe, you know, 12 under? What do you guys prefer? That's a really good question. If they're at 13-14 at the end of the tournament, I'm good with that. That's a good test for them, but I think it's not unfair and punitive. I've always felt, I don't know what you guys think, but, like, the U.S. Open, it's it's gotten so ridiculously hard like, like even for those guys, it's it's beyond comprehension that I sit there and watch. Like, how are they going to handle this right. when the rough is up to their ankles and then up to their knees? And if you don't hit it straight, you're you're in trouble. I kind of like that. Now I know the it pisses the players off because it's too hard, mm-hmm. but I still find it really interesting to watch. And Jay, is it still the case that the USGA wants the winner to be at even par for the U.S. Open? They say that's not the case, Randy. But I don't. I didn't believe them when Mike uh, um, uh, Mike Davis was at the helm. Although you know Mike is stepping down, I think at the end of this year. But guys, I can remember when we were walking. I walked up early in the morning at Shinnecock onto the 13th green, and you know you have a little button on your belt. And I said to my my producer uh, Mark Loomis, I said, "Loomy, there's a problem on the 13th green." <laughs> he said. A problem, you know. He's thinking, you know, is there a spectator on there? I go, no. The whole location is going to repel balls all day long. <laughs> and he said, "What do you mean?" I go, I don't think the ball's going to stay on the green. They put the they put the hole right on this little crown. And I was walking around because that's when we had to do thirty six holes. And at, at the end of twenty seven, you know, somebody had to come out and resuscitate me. But I was <laughs> like, guys, it's ten o'clock in the morning, and the ball won't stay there today at four. It's going to be like concrete, and oh, sure man. enough, that's where Phil, you know, did his thing, and right. ball was flying off the green, and we got some of the great memes of all time. <laughs> uh, but oh gosh, it was um, 
It's fun. The majors were always something. You know, you guys, when my dad was alive, he was always pissed off about the majors because he goes, I think they're trying to show you up. And, you know, that was, that was a big thing back in the old ballplayer days. You know, you could never show up the umpire. You had to figure out a way to talk to him respectfully. And I said, Dad, there's 45 tournaments all year, and what they're trying to do is, you know, just – differentiate themselves. He's like, I don't care. I'm not watching. If you're in the U.S. Open, I'm not watching it. I'm like, okay. Did he watch no anyway? Problem. Yeah, he probably did. My mom was <laughs> You know, my mom was, when, guys, when I was playing, my dad would walk down one side of the fairway, and he'd be have a stick in his hand, and he was nervous as all hell, and he'd be breaking the stick and breaking the stick. I could hear him. I'd be standing over a putty, he had his stick breaking. I'm like, yeah, I'm that. And my, my mom would be on the other side of the fairway just wearing out the rosary, you know. <laughs> just destroyed my parents trying to play professional golf, man. That's great. Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning, 9 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. What do we have coming up this uh, PGA Championship weekend? You know what? We just, Pearlie and I just talk a little bit about some of the significant changes in golf in the in the last 25 years, guys. But the, the, a couple weeks after, I've got uh, David Faraday uh, for, for two shows. Really had a fun conversation. And unfortunately, we're going to have to bleep a little bit of it out, <laughs> but it was really, really fun. And part of those changes, as I go through here, the, the 18 at Kiowa, the, the the reason that you have the 600-yard par 5s and the 500-yard par 4s is because the the clubs and the balls, the equipment, are so dramatically different than they were 25 years ago. It's crazy how much farther even an average golfer, a, a duffer like me, can go out and hit the ball when I hit it well. Oh, my gosh, Randy. That's So I played golf yesterday with Mike Maddox, you know, the pitching coach, a great pitching coach for the Cardinals. He's a stick, he's a isn't guy. he? He's a pretty good oh player. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, he's got and he's got great hands. I mean, hell, he pitched in the bigs for what sixteen years, right. and now he's been a pitching coach. But guys, we were talking about the track man. So those guys, I didn't. I thought they were using the the Repsota stuff for spin rates and stuff, but they're using track man. Every guy on the PGA tour walks around with his twenty five thousand dollar piece of equipment as 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 if it's part of his golf bag. It's amazing, and and all of these stats. And Mike was like, you know. I don't really, I don't, I don't really pay that much attention to spin rate. How about if you just hit the corners? You know, how about if your ball hits the corners? You know, and there's some young guys that I help coach a little bit, and they go, I need to get on the machine to tell me, you know, uh, what's my launch angle? And I'm like, you don't need a machine. I can tell you that one right there. It's no good. (laughs) What do you mean it's no good? I go, it's too high. It's got too much curve, and it's way too spinny. You didn't hit it worth a damn. I don't need a machine to tell you that. (laughs) And then, you know, and then when a good one comes out, you're like, yeah, just do that again. You're going to be fine. Hey, we're looking forward to that on Sunday, and we're looking forward to golf across the weekend. Jay, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you very much. You guys, thanks for having me on. You bet. That is Jay Delsing. It was our pleasure. He's awesome. Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning. He's the best, man. He's fantastic. Love 101 ESPN. Next up, Joe Vitale is going to tell us how the Blues are going to come away with a victory tonight here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time for Take It or Leave It. I said the wrong thing. Dan told me to pay attention. 
uh, I, I was given a... Pay attention, Randy. I, I was given a, a message that Joe Vitale was going to join oh. us at something 45. I wrote down 745 rather than 845. So you're going to blame it on somebody else? No, I'm blaming it on me. Okay. I just uh, misread. I wasn't paying attention. No but problem, see, Randy. And Emily still got it. It says 845. Very so Joey V at 845. Too. It's and okay, Randy. Thank you. I'm glad that you're saying it's okay. I was worried about that. I know. Me too. So uh, anyway, Joey V's at 845, and we've got to take it or leave it now here mm-hmm. on 101 ESPN. Kids, take it or leave it. Here we sit on the 21st of May, and one week from Monday is Memorial Day. All right? The Cardinals have... Is it really? Yeah. We, wow. The Cardinals have the series against the Cubs, then they're at the White Sox, and then they host the D-backs for... Or at, they're at Arizona for four before going to L.A. Uh, but by are Memorial... Are we off on that Monday? Yes. All right. Best of shows. Okay. Uh, oh, we are, but well, not the Cardinals. You, you Cardinals just, aren't off. Well, you just pull... Yeah, I'm not worried about the Cardinals. I'm worried oh. about us. Oh, yeah, we're off. Yeah, uh, you Monday just the, pull any show and yeah. put it as best of. Yeah. Last Monday of May, Flats. that'll be They're the all 31st. Great. So, anyway, you've got <laughs> three against the Cubs, three against the White Sox, four at Arizona, one at L.A. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are up by six on Memorial Day. Leave up it. in the division by six. Which they could theoretically be by the end of this weekend. Leave it. Okay. I'm going to leave it, too, but I think they'll be up by at least four. Okay, I like that. Uh, I'm a, I'm going to leave it just because it's such a long season, and to get to like five up, ten up, fifteen, twenty, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think it's going to happen unless you're head to head and you were so confident in the head to head matchup of the second place team and the first place team that you'd say, yeah, you're going to win three or four, you're going to you're going to sweep whatever. Um, so I'm going to leave it. That's okay. why. Yeah, the, you're going to have a problem with the White Sox next week. The White Sox are even they're with really their good. horrible manager and a couple of players out. They're they're still pretty good. They're in first place. Um, that road trip that they have coming up is going to be tough. Yeah, it is. No doubt. You're going to find out who you are. Well, and Arizona at home is a little bit better. Now they've played a lot of road games. They're nine and nine at home, nine and eighteen on the road. But the reason that they're in fifth place in their division their fourth place in their division is because they've been such a dismal road team and they played twice as many road as home games. There you go. You called Tony a terrible manager. That's what I'm hearing. That's what people well, are that, telling. No, no, no. You said it. Yeah. Well, you, you, you know, that's not, that was, that was your statement. That, that was, if I was on Twitter, Tell Dan, me. that would be what was, Tell me, am I would, right? that would be blue font. Always. That would be Thank you. sarcasm. Oh, sarcasm that was sarcastic? Yes. Yeah, let me write that down. That was Randy. What time is it? It's 7.57. Randy sarcasm. So, Got guys, it. Albert Pujols, he hit his first homer with the Dodgers last night. He's now sitting at 6.68. Take it or leave it. He gets to at least 6.75 by the end of this season. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you. I'm so going to take that. seven more homers to get to seven or 6.75. Correct. With Seeger still out. It's all about playing time. Right, and that's, he's going to get playing time because Seager's out for at least a month. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, yes, I'm going to Bellinger's take Bellinger's out, too. Right. And Pollock is out. You, you, plus, you can move Muncie to second if you wanted to. You can do some different things with that. you got interleague play. Boy, he had five home runs and 82 at-bats. I, I'm going to leave it. I, I'm going to leave it, but it, he'll be close. Okay. But, I mean, I'd love to see him go on a tear, which he could do that, too, and you know, obliterate that in a month's time. Yeah. 
You got yeah. one for us, or are we going to Emily? Uh, Emily. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 314, take it or leave it. The Cardinals need to go out and get a premier starter and keep Reyes as the permanent closer. Well, he's going to be your closer anyway. This year. Yes. Um, you know, I there's a guy from St. Louis. and That's what I was thinking. He's pretty good. And, you know, his team's not doing great. And he has a free agent to be. I just, you know, thought about Max Scherzer. Oh, I thought you were talking about somebody else. But who do you think I was saying? would be great. Uh, who do you think I was talking about? I thought that uh, we were going Jayco to Rizzi, but he's hurt. He is hurt with Houston. Yeah. How would, cool would it be to have Scherzer come oh, to St. Louis? It would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Would, can you can you imagine if in the same season the Cardinals got Scherzer and Arnato, two of the guys that oh, Cardinals fans have yeah. been and thinking they're still about productive. for so long? Yes. That... Would Mike Maddox give up number 31? Oh. <laughs> it goes down so. to the numbers, Randy. Again. I love that that's your first thought. <laughs> why, why do you think about numbers? I don't know. I just do. <laughs> it's odd. It's weird. It is. You need to stop. I know. Well, you no. have a problem with that. Oh, no. It's a good thing. No, it's not. It, yeah. You need to just Remember stop. Remember Mike Anderson in the 70s? He yes. wore number 27. Yeah. You need to stop. Yeah. So did Todd Zeal yeah. in the 80s. Yes, he did. I think that if Max Scherzer I mean, comes go here. I'll tit for tat for you yeah. on this one stuff, you know. Don't you think that they would be willing to give up the number? I think so. Matheny gave up 22 for Will Clark for a month. Yeah. A couple months. Emily, what else do you have? Didn't he Hmm. give it up for Hayward, too? He did. Yeah, he wore number 26. Yeah. Yeah. Generous. Very nice. Yeah, Emily. What do you got? From the 636, take it or leave it. Sandy Alcantara would benefit this team more than Randy A. Say that again. I'm going to leave that. Say it again. Sandy Alcantara would benefit this team more than Randy Rana. I'll take that. Randy Rosarena has three home runs in his last two games. Yes, yeah. he did. He made a great catch over the wall last yep. night. Yep. He's going crazy. Yeah, I would uh, I, I would take that offensive production, put it, plug him in left field, and just say, go with the big boy. Yeah, Randy A. Going uh, Alcantara. It's pretty good. I remember seeing his debut. We did his debut, and he was pitching 100. He's throwing 100 miles an hour when he came out in his pitching debut, and I thought, this guy is really good. And he is. And he's developed into a frontline starter. Mm-hmm. He's a number one for Miami. I mean, number one starters aren't falling off trees, man. No. So I, that's why I I, go I just them. think the Cardinals have more pitchers than the, and you you never have enough. But here's the thing though. Have, have you looked production. at the outfield production that the Cardinals have gotten this, this year? It's, it's pretty been, good. It's been good. I'm just not convinced that Tyler O'Neill's capable of staying healthy. Six times, I think, now on the injured list yeah. in his career with the Cardinals but you know we can look at Adolis Garcia we can look at Randy Rosarena we can look at others but the you know what the you okay yes I just accidentally knocked um, this mic sorry the outfield has been pretty good it has I, yeah I mean, their numbers are top five yeah in the league yeah it's surprising so it's what it, my point is it's, it's really easy to look at those individuals and go man they need to be here I wish they were still here and I get that but you know they they put their eggs in the basket of the guys they got and they they produced it's hey they're in first place right take that over where well tampa's in second i guess right yeah they're in second second place randy yeah okay yeah nothing like being in first thank you emily randy i got one more for you you got it from the 314 take it or leave it jokes about german sausage are the worst um yeah i will uh have to take that (laughs) w-u-r-s-t get it dan you got that right worst or that's German and you can do it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. You do? Yeah, I got it.
Are we but, giving away tickets today? Yeah, later. All right. Dad jokes. Have them ready. Can't yep. wait. Dan is so pumped. He loves dad jokes. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Thank you. From six-year-olds <laughs> on Halloween. Just yeah. saying. Seems like a lot of work, by the way, on Halloween to have to deliver a joke. I can't believe that you went around without delivering a joke. No, I just rang oh, the doorbell. Really? I opened up my pillowcase or whatever I had, the basket. And I'm, I'm happy to hear you say pillowcase because... That mm-hmm. is another issue I have. Not a lot of kids are going around with pillowcases. Really? You need and they those. don't fall. Yeah. They don't fall apart. They don't. The That's bottom right. doesn't drop out. Fabric is sturdy. Yes. Coming up, the Cubs haven't reached eighty-five percent for vaccinations, and it doesn't look like they're going to. And their GM isn't thrilled about it. That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. <laughs> on in the season, the Cardinals reached the 85% threshold of people vaccinated within their traveling party so that they didn't have to wear masks anymore. They didn't have to socially distance in their clubhouse. They could get back to as close to normal as possible. And Cubs president Jed Hoyer said yesterday that he's disappointed that the Cubs haven't reached the 85% vaccination threshold. He said, it's disappointing to not be at 85% as a team. He said, Uh, I'm not going to give up hope we're going to get there. My level of optimism is waning. It's disappointing. And I I would think, and Dan, you've talked a lot about the limitations of players during COVID-19, and a lot of those protocols are still in place for the Cubs. I would think just for the sake of getting as close to normal as possible, people would actually embrace this rather than reject it. You would think that, and I, I don't begrudge people that get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine it's your personal choice Mm -hmm. but in terms of getting to the 85 percent threshold i I can tell you in talking with some of the players it's been great for them Mm -hmm. to actually have some normalcy you know be able to go out to a restaurant um you know a lot of guys now i mean they when they you think about at least i i think that correct me if i'm wrong here so I think a lot of people think when guys go out on the road, they, you know, they're always, you know, they're going to a bar, a restaurant, you know, they're they're living it up. And, and that's actually not what happens. A lot of these guys don't go out. Camera phones have changed mm-hmm. that. It, yeah. And I've seen that. You know, they don't want to be in a, a spot that is not flattering for them. And, and also, you keep your body in the best possible shape you can because the, the window to make the money is short. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small window. So these guys really take care of themselves when they're on the road. And, and, l- and so can what, I make one quick point here? Well, let me just say okay, this. Let, let me just say this. So what they do, a lot of guys get together in their rooms mm-hmm. and either talk about the game or they're playing video games or, or whatever they do. But they couldn't even do that. Right. Per the protocols, you could not gather in a room. And so I, now they, they can do that. And I don't know if the Cubs are allowed to do that now, if, they're, if they can go for a walk without telling somebody. I don't know. But I, I can understand... Like I say, I don't begrudge anybody either. I it's it's your personal I, choice. Yeah, I, 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 I my personal it. choice, and I yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. I, that's what I wanted to do. Now, I can see how somebody would say, "Well, we don't know what the effects of this vaccine are two and three years down the road." And I am a professional athlete. So I can understand, especially from that standpoint, yes. from somebody who's making a lot of money, why they would question what the long-term effects might be. The the thing I hear is that, you know, 
these guys know their bodies so well because they're so in tuned, whether it was COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, whatever. They're so in tune with their bodies, and they're like, I, I don't want to put anything that is untoward towards myself. And that's just that's just what I hear. Now, you can take it any way you want. That's, you know, just guys are like, look, I, I'm not going to go have a steak after 10 o'clock at night because I don't want it to sit in my stomach. You know what I mean? I'll make up for that. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. you know, it's protein shakes. There's so for instance, I, I interviewed Michael Phelps last night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Michael Phelps talked about, and it was fascinating. He was so good. And um, he talked about his regimen of what he ate. Love it. And I, that's why I said, I said, so I delicious. hate you. Wasn't it like 9,000 calories a day or something? It was outrageous? eight to 10,000. Eight to 10,000. Wow. And I said, I hate you. And he said, I get it. I remember watching that video <laughs> of him where they filmed him. Oh, and yeah. Everything he ate during the day was, he was eating all the time. If he right. wasn't swimming, he was eating. And so he talked about Michelle, like from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed. And even when he was asleep, everything was calculated Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like going into a pool coming out of the pool the post-workout what he was going to eat the the shake that he got i mean it was crazy what he did so to your point randy you know guys are are saying well i I don't want this going to my body yeah okay i you know that's that's your personal yeah that's your push you know personal choice as demarco always said that's your briefcase that is that's your job Right. right But I also understand Jed Hoyer's perspective when he understands that in order for a team to have a certain amount of chemistry and cohesion, you need to be able to spend time together away from the field. If the mental aspect, the mental aspect of this, we've seen the toll it's taken on on teams. Also, if you reach that 85 percent threshold, fewer players are likely to test positive. Players who are in close contact with one one another won't have to sit out when they wait testing. it really puts your team in a difficult position, as we've seen when people test positive Michelle, from a competitive standpoint. I, I talked to a lot of guys, and uh, they said last year, and it was difficult on everybody in any walk of life. And so don't don't take what I'm saying and, and, you know, people are like, well, these guys are paid millions of dollars. I get it. They're still human beings. And, the, you know, I, I remember two individuals telling me on the Cardinals, they said it was so hard not to be able to just talk to my friends you know mm-hmm. we we tried to adhere to the rules and stay socially distant and not congregate in rooms and in the clubhouse we're away from each other and remember they they were supposed to show up to the ballpark late put on your uniform and go do your work and then get ready for the game and then go home starters were not allowed forget i think people forget about this but starters weren't allowed to hang in the in the in the dugout right. they were told Get your oh, bullpen yeah. in, shower, go home. Or if you don't want to shower here, just go home. But you're not allowed to be around us. I mean, those are the things that And anytime I talk to a former athlete, I say, hey, what was your favorite time of being an athlete? You know, like what? And it's not a play. It's not a moment. It's even to an extent, not a championship. It was they always talk about being with my buddies at dinner, yeah. hanging out, being in the clubhouse. The camaraderie. The, yeah. Hanging out during a rain delay, yeah. you know. They didn't have that. And, you know, we think about in any walk of life, we, you you want to talk to your friends. They didn't do that. So that was very, very tough on a lot of people. One quick note here. 
Uh, this is the Michael Phelps Olympic breakfast. Breakfast. Three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, and mayo. Three oh of them. Two cups of coffee. One five-egg omelet. A bowl of porridge. I didn't know porridge was a real thing. Yeah. Uh, three slices of sugar-coated French toast and three chocolate chip pancakes. Delicious. Yeah. For lunch, half a kilogram of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches with mayo on white bread, energy drinks that supplied him with another 1,000 calories, and then dinner, he slowed it down. He had the other half kilo of uh, pasta, an entire pizza, and more energy drinks. He said that uh, it, you listening to him last night, you understand why he is really the greatest Olympian. You can make yeah. cases the greatest awesome. Olympian that, that is walking the planet, has ever walked the planet, but he said that uh, when guys would take, I said, what was your, so you get ready for, say the Olympics were going to be in July. The Olympics were going to be in July. All right. So I said, what was your peak training? He said, December. Hmm. December was the, the the time when you're amping it up. And I said, well, what would you do? And he talked about being up from basically six in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Every hour was calculated. But he also said when other guys in the off time getting ready for olympics so two three years out there were guys that would take let's say a sunday off he said he never took a day off and he, and he said and he then he put it into terms of tenths of a second he said i could get better every time in the pool by doing this that and the other on a sunday other people weren't doing that and that made me a tenth of a second better and that's why i did it wow. he was awesome it's great he was awesome that's uh, today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we want to hear from you. Blues and Avalanche tonight at Enterprise Center. 9,000 people in the stands. And the Blues win game three against Colorado if, fill in the blank with your texts and your mic drops to the Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. Blues win game three tonight if is next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> The comment that you have to finish off is the Blues win game three tonight if, and we've got some mic drops, we've got some text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. I'd like to hear what you think. What I think is. I was going to say, I have something too. And the Blues have an MO. The Blues talk about getting to their game when they're good. And it's easy to say neutralize Nathan McKinnon. The only way you can neutralize Nathan McKinnon is if he doesn't have the puck. Mm -hmm. So the Blues win tonight if they get back to their offensive zone possession game and don't let Colorado have the puck. You can't score from 200 feet away. So the Blues need to forecheck and maintain offensive zone possession. I'm with you. I think my first thought is the Blues win tonight if Nathan McKinnon doesn't play. Watching the Blues, <laughs> watching the Blues try to contain him is watching. Try, have you ever seen a cat try to catch a laser? It yeah, reminds yeah, me of that. Yeah, the it. laser's going. You think you have it, and then all of a sudden it moves to the other side of the wall. That's the Blues trying to catch Nathan McKinnon. So the more that you can make sure that he doesn't have the puck, I'm with you, Randy. I also think if they come out tonight and they are physical early, they want to make a statement about the Kadri hit. I, I, the Blues are a physical team. If they set the tone, I think that they're going to be in a good spot. Blues Avs game three tonight right here on 101 ESPN, and the pregame is at 730. It's on Valley sports as well uh I, I 
I think comes down. You, you, I don't know how you do it because he's so fast and he's so quick. But you you got to stand him up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it, but the focal point has got to be McKinnon and saying get the puck off his stick. And when you are trying to do that, it's kind of a double-edged sword here. You can't let the others that are on the ice with him free. So, you know, and I the other, th- the other point I was going to make is that I want to see traffic in front, and I want to see traffic cleared out. So yeah. when you're on the defensive end, get those guys out. And when you're on the offensive end, make sure you get some kind of traffic. One thing we've learned in this series that is effective is – a uh, shoulder to the side of the helmet generally works pretty good if you're trying to get somebody out of the game. That's that's Colorado's approach, at least. Oh, you're bitter. Uh, you know what? I could have never played hockey because I would have been kicked out of the league for cross-checking <laughs> a guy in the head. I could see it. Rage blackout? No doubt. I would have. Yeah, That's sad, Randy. It is. That, that, you know. I'm surprised, it doesn't, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I'm surprised that hockey players are able to maintain their emotional stability more than they do. You, I, you think so? I, I, I totally get Marty McSorley. I, I totally so you, get it. He's your dog? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, I want to hear it. Marty McSorley is my dog. Marty McSorley is my dog. <laughs> hey, the Blues tried to sign him, and the, the Kings wound up matching an offer to him. But uh, I... I I get it. I I get it. You want some text? You know what I'm, yeah. I'm fired up about, though? I am so fired up about the fans being there. Yeah. I, I, 9,000. I, I'm really curious about what it looks like, what it sounds like, because, I mean, you started the season with nobody except the players on the ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. And, and when you think about a sport and playoff hockey where you think about fans, I I, I just think this is the sport that you have missed the fans maybe the right. most. The emotion, absolutely. Yes, of playoff hockey. So you're going to get 9,000 in. It's going to seem probably like 90. It's going to yeah. be great. From the 314, the Blues win tonight if they keep leaving an open man in front of Benner. Yeah, I, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm saying. I, I When I'm watching this game, these two games, I've seen the speed of Colorado, which has been ridiculous, they have one of the best players. I think he's the second best player in the world um, in McKinnon. And some would say he's the best, but he is awesome. And uh, the, the the traffic in front, I mean, Bennington, have you guys looked at the goals? I mean, look at what he's dealing with yeah. and, and how he's played. You can't see the puck. Yeah, he's played remarkably well. So that's, I just think that's a, that's got to change. I, the first five, this is the other thing too. This is so cliche, but the first five minutes tonight, might let you know what's going to happen yeah. in this game mm-hmm. because of the crowd and the emotion and you're down 2-0 and they're going to come out flying and they should. And if they don't, then shame on them. They had a good first five minutes in game one. You watch yourself, Michelle. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, from the two one seven, the Blues win game three if they crash the net, stay out of the box, and if they get primary scoring from their top lines. Well, I want to see Tarasenko's got to show up. Hadn't been there in two games. No. So 91's got to be there. Yeah, and I, you do have to literally stay out of the box and can't take a penalty because it seems like Colorado scores on every power play they have. But Vladdy's got to get involved, man. Yeah, and I, I wonder if he's just incapable of that at this stage. After the three surgeries, he looks like a guy that's playing to avoid contact, and he, he shows you see flashes, 
for seconds, but for a guy that for 20, uh, 20 minutes of ice time to be invisible for 19 of them is unacceptable. And I, I don't know if it's a mental thing, if he's just concerned about the shoulder or if he's satisfied. I don't know what it is, but, yeah, he does have to show up. Yep. They're missing him. There's there's just no other way to put it. He's He hasn't been there for two games. From the 314, the Blues win game three if they play their game and dictate the play, not try to play or keep up with the Avs. Yeah, but I, that's easy to say, but they are so fast. Yeah. So you, you got to make the adjustment on your end. You're not you're not as fast as them. You're not as quick as them. And the Blues don't have what they had a couple of years ago in terms of dictating play right. because their fourth line isn't what it was. And they're, that Bozak, Maroon, Thomas line, remember, Bozak was playing really well. Thomas was playing really well, and he's not now. And Maroon was here and provided that net front presence that the Blues don't have at the moment. So that's two lines that were tempo setters. And then, obviously, you had Jaden Schwartz rocking and rolling. Shannon Schwartz were playing great. Shannon's still playing great, but we have missed Jaden Schwartz as well. And we don't have David Perron playing either. So it's hard to set the tempo and go against a team like Colorado and not have them succeed when you don't have all your guys. And by the way, I think the Blues are they're going to have to retool a little bit during the offseason. They, they're missing some key elements of championship hockey you want one more one more from the 314 the blues win game three if the avs forget to get off the bus that would be the case a lot of people are saying that on the text line uh 314 the blues need to dress the hansen brothers that would help that would help that'd be your fourth line like bob go right by the the bench and just slap everybody with your stick um (laughs) It's going to be tough, but I, again, I'm excited about 9,000 fans down there. I'm, I'm looking at the positive of it, that they're going to get a boost off the the crowd, and I, I do think that's going to happen tonight. It's going to be like watching a different game tonight. You need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. Oh, Thank thanks, you. Army. I, I agree with you, um, but you got to get there first. Yeah, got to catch them so that you can hold their head, jam the knife into their eye and through through their brain and kill them. Okay, Randy, don't you have some mic drops or something? It's no. like the cat with the laser, I'm There's telling you. There's a bunch you. of mic drops over there. Oh, there they are. Okay, let's get a mic drop from uh, Mike here on 101 ESPN. The Blues win tonight if the game is played as scheduled. I think they're going to come out ticked off at the liberties that the Avalanche took with them in game two. They're going to come out fired up in front of more fans, and they're going to take game three. All right, Mike. I like that. Um I think he's right, though. I, again, the first five minutes, you come out, place is going to be rocking as much as it can be. It's going to feel like 19,000. Yeah. You're going to have 9,000 in there. But imagine playing and you had no fans yeah. for the better part of the season. So you, you are going to feel the adrenaline of the, the home crowd. And let's get to Matthew as well here on 101 ESPN. The only way the Blues win game three is if the Avalanche's bus crashes oh, stop. into the arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This postseason is like getting socks for Christmas. The package looked nice. You were excited to open it, but it's just socks. It is what it is. You know, I'm going to watch. I'm going to cheer. But we all know what's going to happen. I disagree with Matthew completely. I like socks. Uh, I Christmas. do, too. And I also think that if their bus crashes, that they'll just get another bus, hop on it, get to Enterprise Center. And still win. 
more, Randy. We're going to get to that later. We've no, got I want more it right coming now. up. I want it right now. Unfortunately, Dan, we've got to get to the fight so you can root uh, for uh Oh, we John. got a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Potential Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's next. HOF on the line. Are you going to root for Randy? You'll find out next. All right. Yeah. That's fine. You guys are trying to go to break. Whatever. I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman with Danny Mac on this Friday. It's 8.37. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And, Dan, it's time for the fight. But this Hall is of not, Famer. Yeah, this is not just any fight. This it's is a, big. It's a Hall of Fame fight. John has beat Randy twice in a row. Today is his third time participating in the fight. And if John wins today, he joins the illustrious and very rare fight Hall of Fame. How many Hall of Famers do we have? Do I we know? Three, right, Emily? I believe so. That's a, that's it? That's three. it. That's wow. It. It's very okay. hard to beat Randy three times in a row. This is big. This is big. So no pressure, John. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, a lot of pressure. <laughs> you shouldn't feel the pressure, John. You know, the greats, the Hall of Famers, it, when the, the, the game was on the line, they were able to slow things down. So I just need you to slow things down, listen to the question intently, and, and take your time. Okay? Good advice, Dan. Thank you. You know, when we interviewed Mark McGuire about the home run chase, he would talk about breathing exercises exactly. and things that he did before the game. Visualization. Just, visualiza- just get yeah. his mind right. So, John, visualize your face on our website as a Hall of Famer, and you'll be good. Will do. Will do. All right. Question number one, John. You sound fired up. <laughs> I sound so pumped. <laughs> Which former Blue and Hockey Hall of Famer holds the Blues franchise single season record for assists? And I give the options, right? Are we doing We do the options. Yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. let's do it. We're doing it. Bernie Federko, Adam Oates, or Brett Hall? Uh, for assists, not goals, right? Yes. Who holds the Blues franchise single season record for assists? Season singled record. Federko, Oates, Hall. Um, I'll go Oates. Okay. For what university did uh, baseball Hall of Famer and Cardinals Hall of Famer Bob Gibson play college baseball? Was it Wayne State, University of Nebraska, or Creighton University? So essentially, um, where, did he, where did he go to school? <laughs> uh, Nebraska. Question number three, John. Pro Football Hall of Famer, and yes, you might be sensing a theme with this fight. Hall of Famers, Hall of, like yourself, Hall potentially. Of Hall of Famer. Troy Aikman <laughs> joined the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys during the 1989 season. Who was his first head coach in the NFL? Is it Barry Switzer, Tom Landry, or Jimmy Johnson? Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Which baseball Hall of Famer and Cardinals Hall of Famer was nicknamed the franchise? Was it Stan the Man, Lou Brock, or Ozzie Smith? Uh, I'll go Lou Brock. Okay. Let's check our score. Yep, yep. 
Randy. Randy, come on in. Come on in. My favorite thing that happens during the fight is anytime Randy walks past Dan, Dan will cover up his sheet of paper. Or today he flipped uh, it over. Yeah, I don't want him. Sure. I don't want him cheating. He's he's looking out for you, John. That. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome, John. I, I I want to take care of you here and make sure it's a fair fight. Randy, say again. Good morning to John. Good morning, John. How you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Good luck. Thank you. All right, Randy. How you feeling, Randall? I feel fine. I like it when Randy does the fight. He doesn't get in his chair. He stands at his microphone. Helps me think better. Do you okay, ever notice, Dan? He gets into like a little power stance, oh, yeah, too. Big time. S- separates his legs a little bit. Yeah. Get a good foundation there. Yeah, he sways back and forth. Base. You got to have a good base. It's all about <laughs> the foundation. <laughs> all right, Randy. Let's go, John. Hall of Fame on the line. Mm-hmm. Question number one. Which former Blue and Hockey Hall of Famer holds the Blues franchise single season record for assists? The single season record for assists by a member of the St. Louis Blues. Correct. Hockey Hall of Famer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. number 12, Adam Oates. Mm. <laughs> for what university did Baseball Hall of Famer and Cardinals Hall of Famer Bob Gibson play college baseball? That would have been, I believe, Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Randy, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman. He joined the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys during the 1989 season. He did. Dan, taunting Randy here, uh, which I love, by the way. Who was his first head coach in the NFL? The first head coach for Troy Aikman in 1989. Uh, I believe that we kind of thought that Jimmy Johnson would go after Steve Walsh, but Jimmy Johnson decided that he would take Troy Aikman with that 1989 first round pick. Which baseball... Second pick in that draft, <laughs> Dan, was Barry Sanders. Which baseball... Or no, Tony Mandridge. I'm sorry. Glad that was not... Can I do the questions? Yeah, go ahead. He's trying to flex on him. Which base... I, I know. Tony it's Mandridge. ridiculous. Stop. Barry Sanders, three. Deion <laughs> Sanders, four. Broderick Thomas, five. <laughs> You're amazing. It wasn't Broderick Thomas. It was Derek Thomas. Exactly. Broderick Which, went six. Which baseball Hall of Famer and Cardinals Hall of Famer was nicknamed the franchise? The franchise. Who was the franchise? Hmm. He's toying with everyone's emotions. I'm not. Uh, I didn't even know we had a franchise. I thought Ken Griffey Jr. was the franchise. I agree with you on this one, actually. I questioned Emily on it, but we're going to go no matter what you say. I'm going with Emily on her question on this. I did question it, too. There's a source. Okay. Well, well, Google is not a source. We've got... It's not Google. We've got Stan the Man. We've got the Mang and the Machine. Uh, So So either way, I I don't want to be held accountable for this. Don't yell at me. Okay? (laughs) Okay. All right. Just give give me an answer. Can I have the lifeline? You can have... What? Do you need, really need a lifeline here? I have no idea, Dan. Stan the Man, Lou Brock, or Ozzie Smith? Well, I don't believe that Ozzie was ever considered the franchise. Lou was the base burglar. <laughs> and Lou played at a time where other people were winning the MVP, so you wouldn't logically call him the franchise. So the only logical guy who would have been the franchise would be Stan the Man. Is that your answer? Uh, that's my answer. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm with you on that. I've never heard of one of our players in St. Louis being called the franchise. 
However, Emily says, no, this is the franchise. I've never heard it, okay? Okay. So, I, I, again, I want to be on the record and saying I'm just reading the question, giving you the options, Randall and John, and you do with it what you want. Okay, well, we have a tie, you guys. We have a tie. Okay. We have it's, a tie. It's coming down. The Hall of Fame hinges on the tiebreaker question. John, you know how this works, but I'm going to read the question. Randy's going to write down his answer as I'm reading it on his handy-dandy sheet of paper that you're running low on your Edward Jones. Dome. I got plenty of these. Do you, do you? Plenty more where that came from. Great. As he's writing it down, John, you're, you're going to get first crack at this. Same <laughs> rules apply. First, on, to get it, first to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. John, Randy, are you ready? Ready. WNBA question, I guarantee it. You don't want to guarantee it because it's not. Okay. How many honored members did the Blues have in the Hockey Hall of Fame? The tiebreaker question is this. How many honored members do the Blues have in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Randall? All right. Uh, John John gets it first. John, yeah. any thoughts on this one? How many? Just give us a number. What do you think? If you need to take time to run through your Hall of Fame brain on how many uh, members of the Blues are in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you do you. So it was just it was uh, people that have played for the Blues. Like they don't have to be in the Blues Hall of Fame. It's just anyone that's played the Blues in a Blues uniform. Correct. Okay. Right, Emily confirmed. Okay. Just want to make sure everyone. So knows. if you you wore it for one day and you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame, then that that counts. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um. All right. Uh, Randy, do you I'll have go. An okay. I'll go. Uh, Twenty. Okay, Randy, your answer is? Uh, uh, my answer was 20, so I'll go 21. Oh, my gosh. This fight. Emily, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. You guys are not going to believe how this played out. Before we get to the tiebreaker Justice question, though, for John. let's reveal our answers. So the Blues franchise single-season record holder for a six is assists is Adam Oates with 90 assists, and that happened in the 90-91 season. Bob uh, Gibson played basketball and baseball for Creighton, then he went to the Globetrotters, then he went to St. Louis. So you both got, uh, no, John got, said Nebraska, Randy said Creighton, it is Creighton. Troy Aikman, his first head coach in the NFL was Jimmy Johnson. I'm honest about this, and I study Cardinal history. I love it. I talk to a lot of these people. I don't ever remember hearing, and I'm sure it's the right answer, but Lou Brock is, his nickname was the franchise. I, I never, seriously, Randy, have, had you heard that? Never heard it, and uh, let's see. Well, they have him uh, at Baseball Reference as the franchise or the Rocket, okay. and they don't have him as the Base Burglar, which is, that's what I always the, that thought. was his primary nickname here. Right, so John got that right because he's a Hall of Famer in my book. Well, then it gets to the tiebreaker, and this is where it gets a little sticky. So the question was, how many honored members did the Blues have in the Hockey Hall of Fame? John and Randy both guessed 20. Randy, as we saw, wrote down 20. But since John said 20, Randy upped it. He See, went Price is, is Right and went 21, and the answer is 24. It, I'm going justice for John. Me too. <clears throat> I think he needs to be back on Monday. He shouldn't have said 20, right? Well, you said well, 22. you said 22. But he, who gets the first choice? We can't pick the same thing, right? But, sure but you, you can. Why can't you? 20. That was, you're you're just making up the rules answer. now? Well, no, the rules have been made up a long time justice ago. Justice for John, and I'm, I'm going to stand you. with that. I'm, I'm with you. I think justice for John. 
Yeah. I have to agree. You said 20. He said 20. I think we need to have John back for another showdown. Excellent fight. I'm in too. Thank I'm you, sure John. you are, John. Thanks. The problem is, since you both had the same answer, we don't have a second question that we could yeah. have done a second tiebreaker question. So I you asked me to change, pocket. and I said 21. I didn't say that, did I? Yes, you did. I said you both said 20. And you said, Randy, what are you going to do? And I, I said, I'll take Randy's 21. Randy's getting emotional right now. No, I just, love it. I'm just saying... I love it. So did you not want to give me an answer? Or we could have just told Why don't we just call it a tie? It was in the moment. You know what, Emily? Stressful. I'm gonna I'm gonna produce this show. What what's coming up uh, later? Joey well, B's coming up well, next. Well what do we do? What do we do, okay. guys? Yeah, I think, he, John can come back. That's fine. Justice for John? Uh well it's not justice. I mean It, it is justice. Uh, who who guessed twenty one at the end? You know what? I think who, what was the answer? Was twenty four? Twenty four. Who guessed twenty one at the end? Okay. But you both said 20, so just pipe it down over there. Hey, Emily, what do you think about having John back at like 9, 10 or something? We come back with a tiebreaker. No, we could do that. Or... No, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll get John back on Monday. Justice for okay. John. It's we got to get to Joey V. John. Joe, Joe Vitale is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> The great Joe Vitale joins us now on 101 ESPN. Joey and Curbs will have the call for the Blues and Avalanche game three tonight, 8.30 at Enterprise Center. There will be 9,000 fans in attendance. Looking forward to that. Good morning, Joey. How are you doing? Randy, good morning. Yeah, 9,000 fans. Boy, it's going to feel like a KISS concert back in the <laughs> 1980s. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be great. Our question of the day is, the Blues win game three tonight if blank. So what's your answer? Um, you know what? The Blues win game three tonight if Bennington can continue to play the way he did in the first two periods of game one. You know, I think that the Blues can be opportunistic, maybe get a couple power plays and have that power play continue to click the way it's been going. Mike Hoffman maybe gets a power play goal. You know, one thing I like about the scoring aspect of it, you go back to game two with Sammy Blay scoring that one from behind the net, even Mike Hoffman's goal. Kind of a leaky goal for Philip Grubauer, who's been really steady all season long. So if he continues to be a little leaky here and there, I think the Blues can get up by one or two, and then hopefully Bennington can shut the door. Okay, Joey, but how do they stop Nathan McKinnon? Um, Well, again, I think that you need to go in the locker room, and I think you need to remove the blades from his skates. (laughs) I need you need to take every stick he traveled with to St. Louis, snap him in half, and start a bonfire outside the Enterprise Center. And to me, that's a good start. Yeah. You know, that's definitely a good starting. That's the way you got to go about it. No, uh, in all seriousness, the, you know, the way, the way you stop an elite player like that is you just can't allow him to get to the offensive zone. If he got to the offensive zone, to me, it's like, it's like D-Day, guys. You know, the, the, the Germans, I think it was the Germans, right, in D-Day, the Germans were trying to keep all the troops away from the beach, right? Omaha Beach, the wonderful, wonderful day there, and, and for World War II, a great victory for the Americans. You know, keep them off the beach. That, that was the key. But once they, once they got on that beach, then they knew they were going to take over that beach. And that was a huge pivotal point of that war. Same, same way with Nathan McKinnon. Now, I hate to use that as an example. I hate using war references because it's a completely different thing. But for Nathan, he's dangerous when he gets on the beach. He's dangerous when he's in the offensive zone. So you have to just completely keep him away. I mean, the way he moves around the offensive zone, it's like no player does in the National Hockey League. He almost acts as the third defenseman at times. You know, he scored those two goals there. I mean, I think it was uh, the downscore redirection on the one, but then his goal 
in the third period. He's at the blue line. He's splitting the defense. I mean, you don't see forwards get up that high. So he's kind of really changing the game and how forwards are, are thinking to play the game. And that's what the best do. They continue to evolve and change the way the game's played. But for him, in order to shut him down, the Blues need to just smother and play in the offensive zone where you got to make him play in the defensive zone. you got to be so responsible with the puck. You know, if you had the puck in the corner on, on next to Philip Grubauer tonight, don't just throw it away, especially when you're out there against them. You know, Craig Grubauer going to get some good matchups here tonight, the ones he's probably looking to get. I can kind of see him getting away from Ryan O'Reilly-McKinnon matchup, even though that's the way they started it. But with Ryan O'Reilly, you know, he's a dash seven, and this, this top line has just been uh, unloading on our top line. So maybe you get the O'Reilly and the Shen group away from them a little bit to get productivity up a little bit. But whoever's going to go out there and shut this line down, you got to keep things simple. you got to get out of your zone. you got to move together through the neutral zone. you got to put in the offensive zone. And you just have to play a very patient game. Don't, don't look to score goals when you're out there against them. Don't look to create chances. Just stay on the defensive side of everything. Make the simplest, most boring play you can ever imagine and if you do that and continue just to chip it out and chip it out Nathan McKinnon's gonna have to keep going back to his own zone he's gonna have to keep going back to his own zone I remember playing you know with Sidney Crosby kind of the same way as Nathan McKinnon those guys want to play in the offensive zone they want to score goals and the, the best way to frustrate those players I remember being on the bench when Sid would snap six he, he's tired of playing his D zone he's tired of getting defensive zone faceoffs. that's where you can really put a mark on Nathan McKinnon you cannot allow him to get to the offensive zone uh any shape way or form what do you think the first five minutes are going to be like tonight? You're down 2-0. You had a physical game number two that uh, probably warranted suspensions, and you got 9,000 people in the building. What do you think it's going to be like the first five, ten minutes of this game? Dan, I think this is going to be a series. I'm not just saying that because I'm being, I'm being positive and I'm, and I'm biased and I'm, and I'm representing this team. I, I know this group of guys. I've been around them a long time. I know the makeup of Ryan O'Reilly. I know the makeup of players like Braden Shen. Uh, and it just filters down to this team. There's so much pride, and there's so much bounce back with these guys. We've seen it since 2018 when Craig Berube took over, and, and it's still relevant today. You're looking at your best defenseman just got knocked out of game two off after an illegal hit from Mazen Kadri, who's a repeat offender, who I do not believe will be back the rest of this series, maybe, maybe in the future series if Colorado can get past the Blues. Um, you're looking at Justin Falk go down. You're looking at Robert Bortuzzo go down. I mean, you talk about a heart and soul guy. Robert Robert is a player that whenever someone gets banged up into a corner or someone gets cheap shot at, Robert was the guy that I play with him in the minors, I play with him in Pittsburgh. He, there's nothing phony about him. There's nothing phony about the way he plays. He's out there barking at players, fighting players. You know, a lot of players get their kicks in this National Hockey League of like playing the role, right? You play the tough guy role. You act like you're, you're kind of mouthy. You're mouthy, but when you actually get push comes to shove and you actually need to fight, they kind of skate away. They're kind of phony, right? Robert's the opposite of that. He, he's a guy that cares so much about this group and is always there to back his, his, his players up if anything should go wrong. So you're looking at Falk, your best defense to go down, a heart and soul guy in Robert Bortuzzo to go down. There is so much pride in this team. They're looking at what happened in game two, and they're going to come back with a major, major bounce back game here tonight. I'm not going to say they're going to win this series. You know, it's too, it's too far ahead to, to really make that prediction. But I'm telling you right now, they're going to start making this a series more, more so than a lot of experts are giving them credit for. Joey, we talk so much about your best players having to be your best players. And as we listen to you and Curbs, we don't hear the name Vladimir Tarasenko very much. Is it a physical thing? Do you think it's mental just dealing with the shoulder? Or is it something else with Vladimir Tarasenko that he's basically invisible during the games? 
Yeah, you know, honestly, to be truthful, I'm laying off Laddie because, to me, I think there's something going on injury-wise. These are those things, you know, with playoffs, as you guys know, I mean, it's so tight-lipped. You can't get hardly any access to injuries and what players are really going through. Heck, we're not allowed in the room anymore because of COVID. Uh, So between the playoffs where it's already tight and COVID, we can't be around these guys anyway. It's very hard to get a good read on what these players are going through. Uh, I, I have certainly given Vladimir Tarasenko the benefit of the doubt, and I think it's probably the responsible thing for a lot of fans to do too. You know, he's dealt with two back-to-back, actually three shoulder surgeries over the last few seasons. He's missed basically two years of hockey. And not to mention, he's been dealing with a lower body injury before playoffs started. I'm actually looking at the flip side. I, I think he's probably not ready to play, but he's just trying to go out there and make a difference in the game. You talk about pride. You talk about players who want to go out there and make a difference. I think that's the trouble right now. I think Vladdy wants to go out there and do that. And the coach is saying, well, if you want to go out, give it a shot and give it a try. We could certainly use you. But at the same time, you only can do so much. That, but if your body can't keep up with what your mind's trying to do, then, of course, it's not going to work out too well. You know, Craig Ruby has talked about repeatedly over the last couple of weeks that the adjustment we need to see out of Laddie is that he's got to turn him more into a power forward than an actual sniper. You know, those, those shots from the outside, those where he was picking apart corners and just feeling confident, that, that's got to, he's got to get a little bit more away from that and think more of like a Tom Wilson style of hockey. He's got to dip his shoulder. He's got to get to the middle. He's got to be physical. But, guys, again, if, if you can't keep up with it and the speed's not there, and like I said, I think he's dealing with a lower body injury, there's really only so much you can do at that point. Joey, speaking of difference makers, how much do the Blues miss David Perron? Hey, listen, it's huge. I, you know, the old saying, you don't know what you have till it's gone. I think it's, it's so true with DP57. You know, a lot, lot, what fans don't understand, you know, they, they just see him on the ice. But, but what, what's, what's missing more about David is, you know, I, I see him in the locker room. I see him on the flights. I see him chumming it up in the, in the hotel lobbies. He's a very vocal kid. He's very loud. You know, a lot of those French Canadians are really, relatively very quiet. I think like a Chris Letang, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. They're kind of more reserved. Um, you know, a lot of French Canadians actually get a really bad rap. They kind of, they're kind of known to be kind of selfish at times. And this doesn't apply to all of them, of course. Russians kind of get the same, uh, you know, kind of cliche on them too, where they can be kind of selfish to think about themselves a lot. But there are exceptions, you know. I, and I look at David Perron as a major exception to that kind of French Canadian look on, on what how players, you know, view them. He's a he's a very charismatic guy. He's an amazing teammate. He cares so much about the players next to him. He's one of the loudest, if not the loudest, most vocal player that that team has in that locker room. He's a guy at the, the team breakfast that's always kind of, you know, just carving at people, digging at people's style, whether someone's got a new pair of shoes, you know, whatever it is. But, but he brings light. He brings that breeziness, I think, to this team. And that energy, you know, the energy is, is such an important thing, especially during playoffs. You know, you look at 2019, what Pat Maroon did. What did he provide more than anything? He provided energy. He wasn't a very fast player. He wasn't a really effective player. He couldn't score a lot of goals, but he brought energy and he brought that kind of that, that loving, just wonderful spirit to the locker room. And I think that's what David is bringing that he hasn't brought in the last, you know, two games and to game three here tonight. But the Blues really miss more than anything, you know, and, and aside from all that wonderful stuff he brings, uh, that kind of color stuff behind the scenes in the locker room and the hotel room and stuff, you look at him on the ice. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a better puck possessor in the game right now than David Perron. He can do he can do things with one hand on his stick that a lot of players can't do with two hands on a stick. You know, he kind of frees up that hand, protects the puck. He's almost impossible to take it from. You know, I think that Ryan O'Reilly has been known for being a good puck possessor. I think Ryan is probably the best stripper probably in the, in the game as far as how he can strip pucks, steal pucks, and get them back. But when you actually have the puck in your possession – 
I think David Prawn actually blows Ryan O'Reilly out of the water because his low center of gravity, the way he just kind of his core work on the puck, the way he leans into checks, his counter hits. Um, so puck possession is what the Blues miss so desperately on the ice, and that's something where you don't have good puck possession. You can't have the puck too long in the offensive zone, and then you don't have that wave after wave approach of, of offensive zone hockey. Grind it down, get it to the net. Here comes the next shift. Here we go because it's just been so one and done in the offensive zone for this Blues team. So from a puck possession standpoint, that has been a huge miss as David Perron has been out, and we don't know when he's going to be back. Again, you look at the timeline for, I know Blues fans like, well, when can we get DP back? Jake Wallman was on the COVID list before David Perron. He's not available in tonight's game. It's possible for game four. So if you look at that timeline, if, if Wallman was on before Perron, I don't think we can really expect him back before game five. Joey V, one last thing before we let you go. Nobody knows more about concussions in hockey than Joe Vitale because you dealt with multiple severe concussion issues. And you saw what Kadri did the other night. And we heard you just say that he should be suspended for the rest of this series, if not more of the postseason. But ultimately, what, what should happen with a guy like that who clearly shows no respect for the other players on the ice? Well, I think you just have to make a dent um, just severely, severely where, you know, I think the league has done a good job as far as you know, how do, how do you really make change? you got to dig in these guys' wallets. So the fines, the suspensions, you know, taking money away from these guys is number one. Uh, I think you've got to come down hard on Nazem Kadri. I really do. I mean, we've seen him in the past use his stick as a weapon. We've seen him go after heads. There was a complete disregard. I think Tom Wilson is another player that kind of has that kind of predator um, appeal to the game that you just want to see get the heck away from there. I think there's about five or six players left in the game that I think they really got to come down hard on to really kind of let it just go and then get it away from the game. And not to mention the, the whole fighting aspect. I, I think, I think fighting in five years, guys, I, I just don't think you're going to see it anymore. You know, in European Olympic hockey, there's no fights. You drop the gloves, you're out of the game. You're just ejected. And I think that's what the league just really has to come to at this point um, because head injuries, um, it, it, it's scary. It's scary stuff to see what Justin Falk went through. His eyes look like they were in the back of his head when he got up. And so it's one of those things that you, you hate to see it. And then not to mention, we're going to allow these guys to fight with bare knuckles going at each other's faces. It just, uh, I think in five years, it's going gonna, it's gonna to evaporate. It's going to get away from the game because, you know, as, as parents, you, you want your kids to play hockey, right? You prepare them to, to stick handle and shoot and score goals and have fun with their friends. You're not, you're not preparing your kids to learn how to take an elbow to the head. You're not, you're not, you're not training your kids at age 10 to cross-check someone in the ribs. I mean, if you want to do that, go, go, go get them into judo or, or taekwondo because they, they do plenty of that. You want to learn a kid to choke, choke a kid out? There's plenty of martial arts to do that. But this is the game of hockey. You want, you want it to be about the skill. You want to see what Nathan McKinnon is doing to the game. You want to see what Connor McDavid did this year, getting 105 points in 56 games. you kidding me? That's what makes hockey so special. And then in order to, to get to that point, you have to kind of free up and get rid of some of this nonsense that we're seeing in the league. And, and the Nazem Kadri hit, uh, to me, again, I, I do believe he will not be back in this series, maybe maybe even to the next series, again, if Colorado can get there. The, the Tyson-Jost one's a little bit different. Uh, I've, I've looked at that one over and over again. Um, he looked like he was kind of being a little defense on the defensive side when Bortuzzo was coming after him. That may not even warrant a suspension at all. He doesn't have a history. So we may see Tyson Jones back in the lineup, but I, I just don't think we're going to see Nazem Kadri anytime soon. Joey V, have a great weekend. We'll be tuned in tonight. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. See you later. That is Joe Vitale with us, as he is every Friday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Cards and Cubs tonight. How's that rivalry working out right now? That's coming your way with Carriker, Smallman, and McLaughlin on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 
Cards and Cubs tonight. You'll hear Dan on Bally Sports Midwest. And these two teams have played pretty competitive games against each other for many years, even when the Cardinals were blown out in the standings by the Cubs in 2016. They were only one game apart. I think they played 19 games and the Cubs won. It was either 10 and 9 or 9 and 10 against the Cardinals. The rivalry is still there. The teams still like playing against, competing against each other and beating the opposition. And what makes this rivalry, and I hope some Chicago fans make it into town, is the fans. The fact that you see yeah. all kinds of blue mm-hmm. at Bush Stadium and you see all kinds of red at Wrigley Field. And the fact that the Cubs and Cardinals didn't see each other last season, the fact that the Cubs weren't in town is so weird. And so it, I guess uh, absence makes the heart grow angrier. <laughs> so, so I hope that the fact that the Cubs are in town, that there's a little bit more juice to that rivalry. So, Michelle, take a guess of the year, the last time the Cubs were not in St. Louis. Oh, wow. I'm sure it was a long time ago. Oh, it's long. 1910? 1892. 1892. Wow. 1892. And the teams, to your point, Randy, split last year. All the games were at Wrigley Field. Uh, I... I Harken back to, I think it was a Grand Slam hit by, and I was talking about this the other day with you guys, but it was Grand Slam hit by Matt Carpenter. And so in our headsets, we're doing the games in a basically a room. And um, we can, our, our mics pick up maybe more so than what you're hearing at home. I heard the ball rattling in the bleachers oh, yeah. of Wrigley Field. There's no no crowd, obviously, no fans. And he hits a ball into the, the bleachers. And you can hear, you know, like rattling back and forth in the bleachers. It was just so eerie. And so it's great to have close to 30,000 tonight at the ballpark. The Cubs in town. We can, uh, I'm sure Chris Bryant will be booed and, yep. you know, it'll be fun. And it just, I, I, I want to see the Cardinals play well. Obviously, I want to see a clean series on both ends. But it's just going to be great to have fans back. And that's. You're right, Randy. I mean, I think that's what makes this series so great. I mean, you have the Giants and the Dodgers, you got the Yankees and the Red Sox, and you got the Cubs and the Cardinals in this in in in, in baseball. It's 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 as good as it gets. And now I Dodgers Padres. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. But for the long one, the yeah. long forming ones and the you know, the ones that have been there for years, this is a great time to be a baseball fan. I I just think it's going to be awesome down there. It's going to be exciting. And the Cubs starting pitching ERA, the worst in the National League at 5.07. So if the Cardinals are going to win this, their offense has performed well of late. That's how they can win it is by beating them up, especially because you have Martinez and Michaelis coming back. You wouldn't expect a ton of innings from those two. You'd hope, but don't plan on it. So just beat up their starting pitching and get a bunch of runs. Gallegos, Gant, I'm sorry, Gallegos, Cabrera, not Gant. So Gallegos, Cabrera, Reyes have been the three primary relievers for the Cardinals. The ERA of the other guys, not good. It's like seven or eight collectively. So they're going to have to get some help from those guys. And that could be a storyline of this series. To your point, Randy, I, I, I don't know how comfortable they are going deep with some of these guys coming off the IL. So... You're going to have the uh, now Sunday night. If if Wayno's Wayno, you, n- you never know. He can go nine. I mean, you really just don't know. He might go four. He might go nine. Mm-hmm. The other two guys, though, coming off of injury, I think you're going to be careful with them. And so bullpen could be a, a real big storyline this weekend. Ultimately, this is always going to be a great rivalry. It'll be the number one sports rivalry 
for St. Louisans. It'll be better than Blues Blackhawks or better than Blues Red Wings, better than Cardinals Giants ever was. This is, regardless of where the teams are in the standing, this, this is always going to be the rivalry. And you don't have to worry about the state of the Cards-Cubs rivalry. It'll always be intense. So should we give the the opportunity for someone to go? It's a good idea. Sunday night? How about that? Sunday How night? About that? You guys are feeding off each other right now. Yeah. Look at that. Just great Syner- segue. Synergy happening. I'm telling it you. It is. Yeah. So what should we Being do? Being an innocent bystander, it's amazing yeah. to see this. You're in the mix here. Yeah. I have a great suggestion for a word. Oh, Emily, come on yes, in. Let's use it. Emily. Franchise. Oh, franchise. There you go. Uh, we're going back to the oh, franchise. Emily, why do we need to do that? That yeah, has nothing to do know. with Cards Cubs. Oh, yes, it does. He played yeah, for both the Cards and the Cubs. I guess. I guess. Okay. Well, then mm. I guess that's the word. Franchise. 65780. If you want to win tickets to Sunday's game. Emily will pick somebody who texts in the word franchise. Then you have to have a dad joke for us later mm. on in the show before we talk to Ian Happ at 940 and we'll be giving away. A pair of tickets to Cards and Cubs on Sunday night. But next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. I just want to let everyone know who was listening during the fight that Randy is really taking this one hard. He's taking... We're bringing back... Uh, what was I'm sorry, John. We're bringing back John on Monday. We actually had HR weigh in on this. Christy, our wonderful head of HR, came in. She settled this dispute, but Randy's tweeting at people. Hashtag justice for Randy. Hashtag cheated. Hashtag aggrieved party. Hashtag no justice. Hashtag the fight. Hashtag rules. Hashtag Yankees. Hashtag wouldn't hold up in court. And my personal favorite, hashtag Hall of Fame question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Not taking this well, but John will become Coming back on Monday. Good. Justice for John. And he's taking it just fine. It's not justice. If there were justice for John, he wouldn't be coming back. <laughs> justice for John, We didn't have a second question prepared in the moment. We, we've never yeah, had this happen before. Exactly. We didn't know how to deal but with you, it. You unilaterally made the rule. I didn't make the rule. It well, was, you did. You asked me for another answer. I just was like, what's going on here? You pulled against 20. I, you need to get over it, Randy. Just wanted everyone to know. If you're I am the aggrieved party here. I just want everybody to be aware. Yeah. A lot of people not on the uh, agree with you on the text line. Uh, they never do. Well, Do they really agree uh, with anybody, though? No, I'm, I'm just, just making it up, too. I wasn't really paying attention. I just wanted to let everyone know John will be back Monday, and Randy is going to be hashtagging all weekend long. You betcha I am. Not pleased. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, speaking of not pleased, we know... Everybody had an opinion on Tony LaRussa and your mean Mercedes and him not listening to Tony LaRussa when he told him to take on a 3-0 pitch. He hit a, a home run in a game where the White Sox were up and didn't defend his guy. We all know the story. But anyway, CeCe Sabathia had a lot to say about this on his R2C2 podcast with Ryan Rucco, and he did not hold back. This is what I was telling you when they hired him. Like, he's just so out of touch with the game, and most people are, cuz... I sit here and watch Christopher Russo on MLB Network. He's out of touch with the game, cuz. Like, Tony LaRusso's out of touch with the game, cuz. He should not be managing one of the best teams in the American League, period. The fact that Tim Anderson, the basically the captain of their team, had to go on Instagram and step up for his teammate. Like, yeah, the game wasn't over. If you're going to put a position player in there to pitch, guess what? If he's going to live over the plate, mm. we go y'all. Mm. Put a 10-run rule up there, cuz. If y'all don't want to see people get embarrassed and you don't want to see position players pitch and people swing on 3-0 counts and all that shit, 
then make it a 10-run rule so the f- game will be over and you don't have these stupid-ass unwritten rules. And now you got a rookie that's basically been carrying your f- team this whole these last f- first six weeks of the season. Mm. This guy's been carrying you. And now you don't have a problem with the f- weird-ass Minnesota oh. Twins throwing behind your one of your biggest hitters? That's just f- stupid. Oh. It's stupid, period. I'm sorry. This f- is terrible. Mm. He shouldn't be f- managing mm. that team. And if you're not going to step up and have your players back, what's the point of being the f- manager oh. of the White Sox? F- is stupid as f- Sorry. My goodness. So, he gets the sorry in at the end. He did get the sorry in. But how about how he called him the weird-ass Minnesota Twins? <laughs> yeah. So all due respect. I wonder what yeah. CC would think about the fight. Yeah, really. Get his thoughts yeah, on the passionate fight. response. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No I'll, I'll do respect for CC, But uh, number one, Tony LaRusso's team has the second best record in the game. So to say that he shouldn't be managing the team, I think, is a little bit disingenuous. Secondly, I don't know. I've never met anybody who cares about or has more respect for or is more worried about the sport that made CC Sabathia about $300 billion than Tony LaRusa. I can't find I've never found anybody that respects the institutions of the game and the sport itself more than Tony LaRusa. And basically what we're saying here when we say that he shouldn't be managing the blanking White Sox is Tony LaRusa is too respectful, which is fine. But I think that's a an element of society that we can actually use more of. And Obviously, CC Sabathia does not feel that way. You know, CC Sabathia is also a guy. Again, very passionate. All, all very due respect. Passionate. Very passionate. But it's not like this is a guy that didn't leave his team hanging in the past too and miss out on a chance to go to a World Series. Well, does that really apply here, though? This is a, he's just talking he, about the what he, he thinks about this. He's saying that Tony Larusa should not be managing the White Sox because of the way he's acting, right? He says he thinks the game has essentially passed him by. Again, that might be the case, but his team's in first place. Which he's got the second he's facts. got the best record in the American League. Facts. Yeah. So, uh, give me a manager that has the best record in his league that the game has passed by. I'll take that every time over the hip guy, the the fun guy, the handsome guy who's in fourth. Every time. The hip, fun, handsome guy. Yeah, and they wanted A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch, I think, is in last place in that division. Well, you got to have players. It does help. But it's not like Tony is. Tony's lost Eloy Jimenez. He's lost Luis Robert. He's lost other key players. Giolito was out for a start. He's doing all right. I know that people don't like what he says. You know what? And who thought that Tony LaRusso was going to come back and be docile and not have an ego or care about the sport? Did anybody seriously think that he was going to come back and say, yeah, I really don't care. I, I don't care about the institutions or the respect of the game or the competition. You really, you were around Tony LaRusso for 16 years. Come on. You thought that was going to happen? He is who he is. Yeah. This was to be expected, but I think this is why a lot of people in Chicago who are fan of the fan of the White Sox didn't want Tony LaRusso to get the job. Oh. I think he's great. I think he's doing a great job, as you mentioned, in first place. But I do think that baseball has an issue with the unwritten rules, and this is just... Tony LaRusso is the easiest focal point for something like this because he represents old-school baseball and is very vocal about the mm-hmm. way that he views the game. And so... It, he he's just the perfect vessel for everyone to argue about the unwritten rules. And he's got people talking about baseball. 
Exactly. I, I just felt like the whole situation has been overblown. Now, there's things that have led to it being overblown. So I'm, I'm going to go back to when it originally happened. I had no problem with him swinging on 3-0. and I don't care. It's a position play out there. And he's trying to, you know, if he can pad his stats, then, then do it. Um, and obviously he did. So I had no problem with that. I don't think enough attention, though, has been made in Tony's case about this. So I disagree with Tony on swinging 3-0. I think you can swing 3-0. Um, it is what it is. And the game has changed, and that's what we have. But I don't think enough attention is – I'm curious what you guys think about this. So he gave Mercedes, apparently, the take sign on 3-0, and mm-hmm. and he swung through 3-0. Yeah. So that, to me, is the issue that maybe Tony's upset with, is that, hey, that was my player. I gave him a, a 3-0 take. He didn't do it. And when you don't listen to your manager, that that is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that is more so of the issue of what is being done here than the issue of swinging on 3-0. and So when he came out and said, hey, we're going to have to talk to him behind the scenes or we're gonna, what, what was the word, discipline him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I within think, the family, he said. Right. I, I think more people are looking at him swinging 3-0, and which I disagree with Tony. I think that you can swing 3-0, and but that if he gave him a take sign and you didn't do it, then that's a problem. That That is the problem for me. I agree with that. I mm-hmm. agree with all of what you said. Yeah. Um, but I think it's being blown out of proportion. I think it'll blow over. And he ain't going anywhere, by the way. No. No. Uh-uh. And, uh... I mean, he's David got a great Kaplan relationship. On, yeah, yeah, he's got a great relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf, and, and Jerry's the one that's going to call the shots on that. And, uh, again... Why do you fire a manager that has you in first place? Well, and by the way, exactly. the, the last time he managed, he managed the last out of a World Series championship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I. He's in the Hall of Fame. But when people talk about swinging three and zero, I don't. It's this is how the game is played now. Well, and, and hey, Lance Lynn yeah. is as old school yep. as it gets, and I I've told you guys this story. So, Gerardo Parra, we're in Colorado when Lance is pitching, hits a home run against Lance. And as he's going down the first baseline, his right hand is up with the bat like he's carrying the Olympic torch. Mm-hmm. I said on the air, I said, boy, you know, this this next at bat could be really interesting for Gerardo Parra. I mean, he he showboated it. There's no yeah. no other way to say it. He, he did. He, that's how he, he hit the home run. And I went and talked and the next at bat came. There was no incident. And I went to Lance, who, again, is as old school as it gets. And I said, what do you think about that? And he was like, yeah, no big deal. That's how the game's played. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And my, my my thinking for myself was, okay, if that's how he feels and he's old school and you know he talks old school baseball with other guys that feel old school, if that's how they feel, then I need to change. I need to say it's no big deal. So Ozuna wants to do a selfie down the first baseline, fine, whatever. I mean, they're the ones that that, that are the players. They're the game. Yep. The players are the game, and if that's how they want to play it, then let them play it. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. That is You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Gary has a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Cardinals-Cubs game Sunday night at Bush. You can get all the details on 2021 Cardinal tickets and upcoming giveaways at cardinals.com slash promotions. Tickets starting at just 20 bucks and 
for each game this weekend. 10,000 fans entering with a ticket will take home an adult replica embroidered jersey courtesy of Scott Credit Union. Joining us is Gary, who uh, texted in the word franchise to 65780. And Gary, first of all, good morning. Thanks for listening to us, and we appreciate that. And you've got a joke for us, I understand, a good dad joke, high-quality dad joke. Well, if any dad jokes are quality, I guess this is one. <laughs> Here we go. But, Randy, Randy, I love the show, and uh, Michelle and Danny Mack. Uh, I agree with Jim Hayes on Scoops with Danny Mack that he's the best, most, most professional announcer I've ever heard. Absolutely. Wow. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. So, Gary, what do we got? Well... This one I tell to my granddaughter, who's five years old, and she laughs. Oh, why awesome. shouldn't you play? Why shouldn't you play poker in the jungle? Why shouldn't you play poker in the jungle? I don't know. Too many cheetahs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Makes Amazing. Me laugh. Well done, Gary. Good one, Gary. Thank you very much, Gary. <laughs> we appreciate you listening, and you are on your way to the Cards Cup Sunday night. Have a great time. Thanks so much. I love the show. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Thanks. Thanks for the kind words, too. Too many cheetahs. Well, I like that. That's a I great like that. one. I and love that. It, look, if you're you're going to do dad jokes, okay, as I've said, if a five-year-old or six-year-old goes to your house for Halloween and gets the candy, then they laugh at it, then I'm in. But Sounds good. In terms of adults enjoying... No? No, I'm not. Cubs Ian Happ next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carica. The Cards and Cubs open a three-game series tonight at Bush Stadium. And Ian Happ will be in the lineup for Chicago after hitting a couple of home runs yesterday. Ian Happ and his Cubs in town, where, by the way, he made his major league debut just over four years ago and had his first hit against Carlos Martinez. And lo and behold, Carlos Martinez pitches for the Cardinals tonight. Ian Happ is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. Thanks for your time this morning. How are you? Good. You guys got me okay? Yeah, we we do. Hey, I want to, because I know all of you hitters have great memories, can you take us through your first Major League hit at bat against Carlos Martinez? Yeah, uh, that was, I believe it was the maybe the fourth at bat of the game or the third at bat of the game, uh, and I had had a a ball earlier that I hit into the four hole, and Carpenter dove, hit off his glove, and the Bush Stadium scorekeeper gave it an error. Uh, so I had already had that one, and then I came up, uh, and Carlos Martinez gave me a changeup under the zone. It was a great pitch. Um, I think I was just trying so hard to put one in play and get a hit that I, I got the head out uh, and pulled it over the bullpen in right field for a home run. Uh, and it was a pretty special day, wearing the pink jerseys for Mother's Day, my mom in the stands, um, and the debut. So it was uh, really, really cool. That's awesome. What a great story. Well, Ian, you're feeling it right now. Two home runs yesterday. I believe you have five in your last seven games. What's clicking for you right now? Uh, man, I, I was able to uh, have a couple of good games in Cincinnati um, and then got injured and had to go on the uh, injured list for 10 days. And it was just taking that time to kind of solidify that approach, um, to really 
kind of ingrained some of those things that I was working on both physically, mentally, um, and then bring that back into the game. Uh, and Detroit, when I was finally able to, to come back and I was hitting the ball really hard um, early in the season, not getting a lot of luck or results. And so it was kind of carrying on with that and, and trusting that process and trying to hit a few more balls in the air. Ian, uh, this is Dan McLaughlin. I do the play-by-play for the Cardinals, and you and I have spoken before. You probably don't remember it, but I do. And uh, I got to tell you, okay, I'm sick of watching you beat up on the Cardinals. We, <laughs> the, the Cardinals could not get you out last year. So that's number one. And number two, uh, what's it like coming back to St. Louis? You know, the two teams didn't play last year except in Chicago. So is this something that you look forward to, coming to St. Louis and experiencing uh, the rivalry, rivalry on both sides? Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, I love Bush Stadium. Uh, it's a great place to play, great atmosphere. Um, coming into the city, the hotel, um, the whole thing for us is, is a good experience. Um, been fortunate on some off days here to be able to get out and play some golf in some different places. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the St. Louis trip. And uh, I think just the uh, kind of the respect that the two teams have for each other. Um, I know Arenado coming in will add another element to it, which is, which is exciting. I, I think that um, these two teams have had so many good players uh, over the last five years that I've been here, um, and that that's always been uh, just just an exciting series, an exciting um, number of games, and I think this is this is no different. Ian, I'm so glad you had a great experience in St. Louis. And the next time you go golfing, maybe bring your teammate Chris Bryant with you because he called St. <laughs> yeah. Louis boring. He said he didn't like it here. So the next time you have a great experience, make sure and bring him along so he can see what St. <laughs> Louis has to offer. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a great experience if he gets some knocks this weekend. Exactly. And exactly. A few ball games. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ian Happ of the Cubs with us on 101 ESPN. And Ian, Athletes are the best at dealing with adversity and circling the wagons. And it seems like for all of the talk during the offseason about how bad the Cubs were going to be and the struggles that your offense endured early in the season, you guys have circled the wagons and you're right there in the hunt in the Central. Yeah, I think we believe pretty strongly in in the group um, in in what we were able to do. Um, and then we've had great contributions from guys uh, who haven't been with this team for, for the last five years. And I think that that's something that's maybe a little bit different about this team than the last couple of years is, is we did offensively have basically the same group every year. Um, and so with Jock Peterson, um, Matt Duffy's been unbelievable. Um, Ariznik's been great. Uh, Eric Sogard has been a, a huge addition. And then obviously Nico Horner um, kind of uh, coming up and, and being able to help us out early uh, with some amazing contributions offensively, but also at second base. I, I think it's just it's a little bit different group than you've seen in the past, um, and it's a bunch of great personalities in in the clubhouse. And I think the most important thing um, is that that camaraderie and that um, kind of ability to always pick each other up. And we knew early in the season that that uh, that tough stretch for the first two weeks wasn't going to last. The uh, the media didn't thought it might last forever, but we were we were convinced that it couldn't possibly last that long. I'm curious, Ian, uh, we're going to have double capacity tonight, so probably roughly like 30,000 fans, and then uh, Bush Stadium's going to open up on June 14th. Um, what was it like playing with no fans at one of the great places uh, to watch a game, which is Wrigley Field, and it's one of the great cities in our country, and, and now you're starting to see fans back in there. What, what was it like from a player's perspective trying to get 
ready every day. And we know some guys had down years. You did not. You had an MVP-type season. So what was it like to, to do that with no fans and now getting fans back in the ballpark? It was definitely difficult um, to get yourself ready every day. Uh, I, I think it was just eerie. I think seeing Wrigley Field empty, um, you know, obviously we were on the concourse quite a bit because the weight room was outside, the food was outside. Um, and just walking, you don't, as a player, you really don't get to see the concourse or the stands or, you know, those parts of Wrigley Field. So it was just eerie to kind of walk around and, and the I am legend version of Wrigley Field. Um, but it was nice for us to have the rooftop still with some fans. Uh, I think that helped a little bit just to see people, to see that people were watching. Um, but I think the 60 game season was difficult for a lot of guys that had played every day for so long. And, and right now you think about it, we're 40 some games in, we still have a hundred plus left at this point, we were two thirds of the way or more um, done with the season last year. And so my stat line right now wouldn't have made me very happy um, a year ago. And I, I think that that was something that guys really struggled with was if you got down early and kind of struggled like I did for the first month this year, there wasn't any time to make it up. So there was a lot of pressing. Um, and that's just not the way, you know, 162 baseball, 102 game season is played. You know, you have time, you have to make adjustments. It's a long season. There's um, a lot that, that you have to go through. So I think that part was really difficult, um, but having fans back uh, in the stands and, and being able to see these guys, these people and just how much that they missed baseball, how much that they're excited to be there to experience it. Um, you see on social media all the time, people coming back for the first time and their emotions and, and their excitement and how big of an experience it is to get back in the ballpark. And I think that's just something that's so special about our game. Ian, I wanted to ask you about what's the biggest talking point in baseball right now, and that's about the unwritten rules. A lot of people talking about the situation in Chicago with the White Sox, with your mean Mercedes and, and Tony La Russa, and it seems like everybody falls on one side or the other with this unwritten rules debate. So I'm just curious where you stand. What do you think about the unwritten rules in baseball? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> there's some that I like, and there's a lot that I don't like. I think um, – Facing position players harder than people think. I think any time that you can, uh, any time that you can put a home run on the scoreboard, I don't know that many teams are protecting their starting or their uh, position players from their pitching stats. I think if I'm if I'm an outfitter, I'm hoping that guy swings and pops up so we can get the game over with. I don't want our position player to walk him and have to stand out there any longer when it's a massive blowout. So I say swing the bat and let's get the game moving. Ian Happ does some great community things. First of all, you're a self-described coffee connoisseur, and you've got this great compound uh, or, or this great coffee that you have, your COVID coffee for COVID relief. Uh, I want to know what makes a great cup of coffee, in your opinion. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion, it is first and foremost the quality of the beans that you're sourcing. Um, that's the biggest thing, and then the roast process. Um, and, and for me, I'm more on the lighter end of the spectrum. My mother uh, opposite, she's on the darker end of the spectrum. <laughs> so I like a lighter roast. Um, I think that it really brings out the flavor, um, of the beans and it lets that the coffee kind of express itself a little bit more. And so that's what I think makes a great cup of coffee. And I think the, one of the wonderful things about coffee is that 
everybody's palate is a little bit different. And, and with Connect Grocers, we have a line of coffee that is from light to medium to um, the morale blend that's actually in our clubhouse that's a medium dark. So uh, I think we give customers a nice wide range. Um, and it's been awesome to see how much the fans, the people in Chicago um, and around the country have really enjoyed kind of getting to try Connect Grocers, learn about the coffee, learn about the, the give back. Like we do Save the Children um, and the Food Bank in Chicago. And I think we've donated over 18,000 meals to this point, um, which has been really, really special. And, and we're just so, so excited that the community supported us through the whole thing. That's amazing. That's awesome. And you can go to connectroasters.com and buy a bag or several of Ian's quarantine coffee that goes to COVID relief. And then the other thing you do is a podcast, The Compound, with a couple of your former minor league teammates, Zach Short and Dakota Meckes. And how do you like it? How do you, Obviously, you're a good talker. You know what's going on. But how, how much fun do you have doing it? I, we have a lot of fun. It's something that started um, during the shutdown last year. We were all living together in Arizona. Uh, and I kind of forced the guys into doing a podcast just to <laughs> see see if we could give some of the baseball fans some content and kind of connect and let people know how we were doing through the shutdown. And then it, it kept going. People enjoyed it. Uh, we were really surprised by the support. And so we kept doing it through the season. Um, and now because Dakota is in the, uh, the Cubs minor league system and Zach is uh, between AAA and the big leagues with the Tigers, uh, it kind of gives us a way to connect. It gives us a way every week to get on zoom and talk to each other uh, and have some guests on. Um, you know, we like to have our teammates on or guys from around the league and hopefully uh, kind of shed some light on what it means to be a big league baseball player. And that these people are humans. These people aren't just the zoo animal that you see behind the netting and get to yell at that they're, they're actual people and, and these are their interests and just kind of try to humanize guys sometimes. And I think it helps fans connect with players uh, and it makes guys easier to root for because you kind of know their story. You know why um, they're doing what they're doing and why they play the game. And um, it's something that's been pretty pretty cool for us to be able to share with everybody. So do you want to get on this side of the microphone? Uh, obviously later rather than sooner because you want to have a nice long career. But do you, do you want to do this stuff? Yeah, hopefully no time soon. But it's exactly. that. Uh, yeah, it's something that when I'm done playing would be would be interesting to be fun for me. Um I've always enjoyed kind of talking about the game and being able to uh, share different sides of it. I think that um, the fan base in Chicago has kind of made me realize how special uh, what we do is and, and how much people care about it. And if I can contribute to that on the back end of my career in a different way, that would be um, something that would mean a lot to me. Good for you. That's great. Ian Happen, the Cubs in town, playing tonight, tomorrow, and then Sunday night baseball. And you hit two home runs last night. And we're rooting for you to hit a couple more solo shots tonight in like a 4-2 Cardinal victory. Sorry we can't root for the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. As long as you guys are rooting for me, I appreciate that. That's one step in the right direction. All right. And on the game tonight, yep. I'm going to promote your coffee. I want to I get make sure we, we, we do a lot for COVID relief. So thanks for coming on and doing this. I, I definitely want to make sure that we get the word out. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate the support. You All right. got it. Thanks, Ian. Have a great weekend in St. Louis. Ian Happ of the Cubs on 101 ESPN. That's great. Awesome. I, I love hearing guys that – and Michael Phelps used the exact same term that he just talked about last night. He said, you know, what was it, 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 it caged animal or, you know, they are human beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you hear guys talk like that and be open like that, I wish more players were open like that. I understand that they're – they, they probably feel in the Twitter world and, and social media and things like that, they need to be guarded, and I totally get that. 
I, I but there is another side to the, many of these players that they're just good people. A lot of them are very good people that just happen to be preeminent athletes and the best in the world at what they do. And Ian's uh, podcast partner, Zach Short, texts in, says, I'm Zach, Zach Short. Thanks for the little shout-out. So, oh, amazing. Yeah, thanks for listening, Zach. We do appreciate it on 101 ESPN. All right. That'll do it for our show. Danny, always good to see you. We'll be tuned in tonight. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, tonight's game. Tomorrow is on Big Fox. Tonight is on Valley Sports. And then Sunday Night Baseball with uh, Adam Wainwright. I, I think it's going to be great. The national audience seeing the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright <laughs> yeah. going uh, for a national televised audience. It'll be fun. Emily is headed out on vacation. Have a great time. I know you need to get away from me. Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. So, that's, that's, <laughs> so have a great time. I Thank you. Thank you. Too, uh, that's our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Michelle, have a great weekend yourself. Thank you, Randy. See you guys Monday. All Absolutely. right. Absolutely. And you're going to the game on Sunday night, too. I am. Can't have wait. Fun. Thank uh, you. So let's go cards. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Have a great weekend. And until Monday morning at 7, take care, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.